For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Fan is live and local with Fan Sports Saturday. The Fan Sports Day of the Week. Oh, this is some clever branding. Here's your host, Place Name Here. Made to that time of the year where, ow, the wind hits my face. <laughs> Happy Saturday, everybody. Eric Reeser, Ryan Baker, Caleb Blake. Rolling along on this super wild card weekend until 3 o'clock. We'll get you properly prepared for all the pigskin. It starts at 4.30 today with Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns in Houston taking on C.J. Stroud and the Texans. If you'd have told me at the beginning of the season the Browns were making the playoffs, I said, okay, well, that's good. That's the floor. That's the least they could have done rolling into 2023. Full disclosure, two-thirds of this program are Browns fans. Caleb, are you a Browns fan? Oh, yeah. All right. Good Cleveland guy Three-thirds of this program are Browns fans. Just some full disclosure there because I'm going to ask sometime throughout the program, hey, what do the Bengals play today? What's their schedule this weekend? But if you had told me at the beginning of the season, Browns are making the playoffs. Okay, fine. They have to. They gave Deshaun Watson $230 million fully guaranteed. No gives these backsies there. They have the best defense in the league on paper. They better make the damn playoffs. Yeah, I mean, we've been told for five years this is the best roster in the NFL. You got to cash in on it sometime. And how about this coaching matchup today? Got to be the top two in the coach of the year voting, right? I would say so. I think Dan Campbell's going to win it because it's just there's just been so much momentum for him with that this season. Um, I don't know what the current odds are right now, but every week looking at them, it's been Dan Campbell. I think Stefanski's floated third, fourth, but the job that he's done starting five quarterbacks. Guys like Jeff Driscoll, guys like Dorian Thompson Robinson. What was it? USFL All-Star P, uh, PJ Walker, or was he XFL All-Star PJ Walker? Philip James Walker. Joe freaking <laughs> Flacco comes off the couch to lead the Browns to what? A four and one starting record. He got a cool 75 grand for each of those four wins. Part of me, and, and I understood the logic last week sitting him against the Cincinnati Bengals. I wanted so bad as a Browns fan to see them win 12 games in a regular season, something they had not done in my lifetime, something they had not done in Caleb's lifetime, something they had not done since 1986. And before that, it was like the 40s before they'd won 12 games in a regular season. But here they sit at 11 and 6, locked up the five seed a couple weeks ago, so you kind of knew that this was on the docket. They were going to be on the road against the AFC South champion, whom that was going to be, well, You'd kind of hoped that it was going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. It floundered down the stretch. Trevor Lawrence, was he going to play? Was he healthy? Is he ready? It didn't look to be the case last week against Tennessee when they got steamrolled by the Titans. And we'll get into a lot of uh, coaching carousel discussion today. If you have motion sickness, I would not recommend either professional or college coaching carousels because they're still spinning. Moving quickly, spinning for the next too. Three damn weeks. I don't think... And uh, you can clearly tell my Browns excitement's getting the best of me because this isn't something that we've experienced in a long time. Yes, they made the playoffs in 2020, and that was great beating the Pittsburgh Steelers at home in the wild card round, but that kind of felt like the ceiling for that 2020 team. 
because there was, you know, the Baker bros believed that he was going to be the guy, but you kind of knew Baker, and I, I won't speak for you, and Caleb, I won't speak for you, but you knew that the Baker-Stefanski marriage wasn't going to last, that it was kind of a, it was a shotgun wedding, and that that wasn't going to be the quarterback for Kevin Stefanski moving forward. Like, there was clamoring for Baker's extension, but you just, at least for me, didn't think he was going to be the guy, so I knew that 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 quarterback coach tandem was going to be short-lived and to have any kind of lasting success in the NFL, you need to have that. Yeah, it seemed always like Baker and his personality did not mesh well with the front office of the Browns and their head coach. We know Kevin Stefanski doesn't say anything. We know Baker will say whatever pops into his head at any moment. So it just seemed like there was never a fit between all of those pieces and parts. So, yeah, I mean... Baker, I think, at his best is maybe like uh, edge of the top 10, somewhere between 10 and 15 quarterback in the league. Uh, They wanted more than that. And this year, they've gotten five that they've got to play as average quarterbacks. The man, the 39-year-old man rolling out on the field today at NRG Stadium is the quarterback that Kevin Stefanski wants, is the guy that can make all of the throws and that will look to his coach and say, what do you need me to do? And you didn't have to give up your future and all kinds of money to to get anything for it. Now, I will recommend to Browns fans that you enjoy the ride you're on right now. Don't think about what's going to happen at the quarterback position until the actual run in the postseason comes to an end. Whether that's today, whether that's next week, or whether that's in Las Vegas in early February. Enjoy this ride. Enjoy this run. The stories today in the NFL um, will likely revolve around weather. If you've watched any of the programs that cover the NFL, whether it be on ESPN or NFL Network or even CBS Sports Network, they've got guys that are either intense or a lot of coats or a lot of layers. Um, tonight's story between or tonight's game that you'll only find on Peacock between the Dolphins and the Chiefs, weather in Kansas City is going to suck. The story is going to be the same Sunday in Buffalo which has now been moved, Steelers-Bills, 4.30 on Monday. That was just announced by New York Governor Kathy Hochul. So the unmovable conditions, there will be 65-mile-per-hour wind gusts and at least over a foot of snow in the, what, northwest corner of New York. Made it an untenable game for tomorrow. But they're going to still kick the ball off tonight in Kansas City with wind, wind chill factoring things into, what, negative 20 degrees? Wow. It's cold. <laughs> I think like negative nine temperature, something like that possible. It's just crazy. And so we'll have plenty from the Browns, from the Texans inside a nice dome. And then Chiefs, Dolphins outside in the frigid temps as we go throughout today's program. Uh, also, NFL college coaching news. Nick Saban retires. Pete Carroll's asked to pack his stuff. Bill Belichick asked similarly in new england um we got some good news yesterday for the football buckeyes the hashtag reload the clip had been floating around social media for the past uh, couple of weeks as guys who had who have nfl dreams are going to put those on hold for at least one more year and make a return to ohio state for 2024 to try to uh, a finish their story on their own terms win a pair of gold pants and uh, i think erase some recent history that has been less than thrilling for players, coaches, and fans 
of the Scarlet and Gray. This was shortly before 3 o'clock on Friday. JT Tuimaluau announced his return to Ohio State, really putting the linchpin defensively for the Buckeyes in everybody of note from last season outside of Mike Hall saying that they're back. That hashtag again, reload the clip, because this year, Ryan, and I, we, I talked with Tyvis about this, and OSU's desire to get back to playing silver bullet caliber defense, this year they did that. Yeah, they were they were one of the best, if not the best, defense in college football this year. Uh, we saw them, you know, in the Cotton Bowl, hold the Missouri team to shut them out for three points. quarters. Yeah, and just those two long drives late. Uh, you know, they probably played as good as anyone did against Michigan this year defensively, and having all these guys back, I'm so excited, Eric, to see this secondary next year because i remember growing up in the 90s mm-hmm. the sean springs the it was like it was a different era of football but it was the birth of the silver bullets and a lot of that was because they had guys on the outside that you could man up and then just bring the house with everyone else and with this secondary next year and burke Jor, uh, jermaine matthews jordan hancock Sonny Styles, Lathan Ransom. This secondary may be the best we've ever seen at Ohio State. One of the luxuries defensively for Ohio State in 2023 was that they were able to just rush four. You had enough talent to where, while you could at times dial up a blitz, and I think this was a Jim Knowles masterclass this past season in being able to dial up pass and run blitzes at the right time, you can do a lot of that next year. Similarly, mm-hmm. giving your guys in the backs in, in the back end of your defense the ability to have help where needed against teams that you're going to need it against. And really just Oregon and Michigan. If you are near a computer, don't look at Ohio State's football schedule for 2024. It's pretty ugly. It's not the best. <laughs> it's not going to offer uh, the kind of competition that you're going to see around the Big Ten. A real bad job out of conference brass. And I think giving, I forget which school it is, but and it's not Michigan. But Michigan's got a pretty good schedule. But the competition being what it is, you're going to have with the guys coming back defensively on the front and with the guys that they've got, that they've recruited, the depth that's there, you're going to allow your corners, allow your safeties to have the freedom that made them so successful last year. And about five o'clock yesterday, Travion Henderson announced his return. And I had been wondering for the past couple of days, despite hearing from several people that the Quinshawn Judkins uh, commitment wasn't really going to have a, a, a factor in Travion's decision making. Like he was going to decide come back or leave and Quinshawn didn't have much to do with it. Well, Travion Henderson announced his return to Ohio state for 2024. So you've got the best Ohio state backfield. I don't want to say ever, but is there been a better one two punch that Ohio state's had at the running back position? You know, we think all the time, like, yeah, this this might be the best recency bias. I would sure. I would tell you, I think it's probably pretty similar to what we saw two years ago with Travion and Mayan Williams. I think it's going to be similar. I think Judkins probably has a little more explosiveness in his game than Mayan Williams does, but. You know, Travion was kind of almost like that thunder and lightning. I mean, you got to remember, too, going back to the 90s, some of those backfields at Ohio State, like you had Robert Smith and Eddie George on the same teams at one time, Raymond Harris in there as well. So you had some guys in there that were really good running backs uh, along the way. 
But yeah, I mean Judkins and Henderson. In terms of home run hit ability, pretty pretty big time. And I I was talking with uh, Dave and Scotty about this this week. That little watching some highlights of Judkins, that little sidestep jump cut he has, and then the ability to get back up to speed quick is so impressive. You're going to be able to with the the skill that you have in your backfield with the quarterback that you've acquired and what you think he can do to elevate Ohio State's offense. And then with guys like Emeka Igbuka announcing their return, there's some other offensive skill players that we'll discuss later on in this program that will open things up a little bit more for Ryan Day, or at least you hope that's going to be the case this coming season. That it wasn't necessarily last year because of a number of different reasons, right? Your offensive line didn't provide you everything you needed consistently from jump. Your play calling wasn't as ballsy as I would have liked it to be. But there again, if you don't have faith in your offensive line that can block, if you don't have faith in your quarterback, you see that there's a limited skill set that Kyle McCord offers you. And then the depth behind him isn't what you'd like it to be. Everything becomes limited. Now that's not the case. I'm not sure if I want to make such a declaration now, but Ohio State doesn't really have any excuse to win the Big Ten Championship in 2024 based off of everything that's happened since the Cotton Bowl and the two announcements yesterday. Yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of weird. Maybe receiver a little bit, but you have faith in the talent. You've been able to recruit. You've got a Buka coming back, but yeah, you've got all these guys, Cardinal Tate, Brandon Innes, Jeremiah Smith, uh, with the 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 ability there, we have faith in what Brian Hartline has done and will do. I think the biggest question mark is still probably your offensive line and maybe even quarterback. I mean, we think we, think, we know what we've right? got we with think. Will Howard. Yeah, I mean, we know what he is, but a lot of us haven't seen a lot of Will Howard. So I think those are the two question marks still. And along with the roster questions, those have been mostly answered about who's going to play where. What about the coaching staff? We'll discuss what that could look like next. It's Sports Saturday on The Fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The Fan. Ohio sports destination. Just because it's the weekend doesn't mean we shut up. This is Fan Sports Saturday. Quite the contrary. Browns play today. Super wild card weekend. 4.30, Houston, NRG Stadium, C.J. Stroud, and the Texans. He was dealing with a concussion back in December during their regular season meeting, and the Browns struck early, and it was never really in question. Uh, the one question I had from that game, actually two questions, is why is Dustin Hopkins running after that man? And I wonder what this game would have looked like had C.J. Stroud played. Now, because of that, Dustin Hopkins out for today's game, and we'll do plenty of Browns-Texans talk with Tyvis Powell. He'll join the show at 1 o'clock. This will count towards his attendance. I know how much he likes to say he's here every Saturday, and so to get him on at 1 o'clock, the lifelong Browns fan told me that it had to be a check mark towards, again, his perfect attendance. But Never misses one. Stroud, uh, a real opportunity here for him in a season that, was wildly surprising for a lot of people in terms of how the Texans with probably the offensive rookie of the year, the defensive rookie on the year, Will Anderson, who will play today uh, for Houston. I think he was questionable in the week, but those two guys and a rookie head coach, D'Amico Ryans, setting that franchise up for a long run. House money is the term that's been used on both sides. And I wonder, can it be both? I think it is, right? And I mean, nobody... 
I maybe miss, I'm looking. Maybe, go ahead. Sorry, maybe some people expected the Browns to be here. But not with the rash of injuries <laughs> no, they've not, had playing not this roster, yeah, playing all year without Nick Chubb, not playing with Deshaun Watson, Joe Flacco, who wasn't even on the team midway through was the not season. Any team. <laughs> it's leading the way. Uh, your third string right tackle, your second string left tackle. I mean, the amount of injuries are amazing. And then the Texans were fighting for the number one pick last year. They drafted number two in the draft and got C.J. Stroud. Thank you, David Tepper. They were so bad, and a new head coach. And nobody thought the Texans were going to be here. People thought their roster was terrible. So yeah, definitely house money for the Texans. And similarly for the Browns, like I am, I'm. If you can't tell how excited I am for this game because this has been a lot of fun. This the Joe Flacco ride that we've been on as a Browns fan base. Every single week, it's it's just it's just enjoyable football to watch. There's there's expectations to win. Like I hope the Browns win today, but if they don't win, I don't think you're going to find me in poor spirits. This was when Nick Chubb goes down week one. I'm like, that's it. There goes the season. I didn't have any faith that Deshaun Watson was going to be able to by himself carry the Browns offense. And then the other injuries started to happen. Like, you know, like you mentioned across the offensive front, then defensively guys start going down. And you know, now I had thought there were going to be ugly wins for the Browns. It was going to be a lot of 13 to 10 last second field goals that were made. And the Dustin Hopkins acquisition helped that out a lot, but certainly not locking up the five seed two weeks before the end of the regular season. So this is from a Browns, from my perspective, this is just fun today, is what we're going to get. And not only that, but who would have had the Browns as the third best record in the AFC? You know, nobody, nobody. It's it's been very fun to watch. You know, and the funny thing is, Flacco hasn't been perfect. He's, he's still, this was the Joe Flacco experience. Yes. This is the whole damn thing. He's still thrown interceptions, but he's stretched the ball downfield. He's opened things up. Somehow he's gotten David Njoku to actually catch the football. I don't know how that's possible, but David Magic. Njoku isn't dropping the ball anymore. I mean, it is amazing what they're doing. And again, it's almost all him. They haven't gotten a lot out of the rushing game here. So Tyvis at 1 o'clock here. Uh, we'll have kickoff between Browns and Texans over on 1460. Uh, that'll happen at 430. Pre-game coverage there will be at 230. So for Ohio State, a lot of roster questions were answered this week. And I, I do think there's still time to kind of pick over what I'm going to call the roster corpses of Alabama and Washington. Because as coaches depart, the players have 30 days to enter the transfer portal. Let's throw Washington in there. <laughs> right. So well. UW, UA, those rosters are sitting there. And if there's a player you like, like a Seth McLaughlin, you might want to make those calls. Similarly with coaching staffs, you know, as Kalen DeBoer goes to Tuscaloosa, you wonder who's he bringing with him? Is he bringing anybody with him? And then with Nick Saban's staff, what happens with Tommy Reese? Where does he go? But for Ohio State, I don't think the, the staffs of those two will be anybody that's interesting for Columbus purposes, if that makes sense, right? So earlier this week, you had Perry Eliano. It was announced that his contract wasn't going to be uh, renewed. And then Parker Fleming, both of those guys were not going to be brought back onto the coaching staffs in 2024. The Perry Eliano thing was a little surprising to me just because of how well the secondary had played it. It didn't seem like defensively there needed to be any real changes to the staff. I thought it would be nice if you would uh, 
give James Laurinaitis an actual title, make him linebackers coach, um, defensive coordinator in waiting if Jim Knowles were to in the next couple of seasons either take a head coaching job or if he were to step aside. But for the defense for Ohio State, it didn't feel like it needed any fixing. It felt like, okay, if you can get a couple of guys back, I didn't think you would get the deluge of of players announcing, you know, hashtag reload the clip because this looks like the same damn defense as was last year. But for the offense and for special teams, there needed to be some changes. Special teams wise, Parker Fleming, that needed an overhaul, needs an overhaul. And you know what's funny about that is you were, I, I felt really like, man, the high state special teams are really bad right now. And then I watched the CFP games and I was like, maybe they're not as bad as I thought. But yeah, you've got to be better than that. You know, when you have a kick and I don't think it's Parker Fleming's fault that Noah Ruggles missed the kick at the end of the Georgia game. But, you know, games come down to that sometimes. You have to be perfect in those areas, especially we know how much Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer put into the special teams positions. So, yeah, it had to be better than what we'd seen. And it wasn't just this past season, but it was last year. They weren't up to the standard for Ohio State. And so that does fall on the coach. Run a fake punt, but we didn't call a fake Whoops, punt. It was the just all oh, didn't match. hear the snap, or the center didn't get that call, or we ran a fake punt. We weren't supposed to, but there was a miscommunication. Like that happened, it felt like too, too many times yeah, it, for a team like Ohio State to be having those kind of oopsie daisies. I mean, it just seemed like the logical thing to yes. do. Uh, defensively, again, uh, Matt Gurrier, Matt Gurrieri. Pardon me there for mispronouncing that name. Uh, comes over as the safeties coach, and then he'll get uh, additional responsibilities to be designed to be assigned at a later date. He's got a track record with Jim Knowles. Uh, he was a grad assistant under Knowles at Duke in 2012. He was Duke's safeties coach in 2015. He was the co-DC at Indiana uh, this past year, but there's familiarity there as he was a defensive analyst uh, for Ohio State back in 2022. So we'll still waiting on a couple of other positions that might be either reshaped or retitled or a new person might be in that altogether i don't know what everybody's hearing different things but that's something that you'd think will come now that the roster is what it is it does feel that the next steps will be with the coaching staff and it sounds like with eliano it just kind of came down to a recruiting issue you know they've missed out on some big recruits here recently obviously this year kj bolden and i can't ever pronounce the kid's name that's going to minnesota but ohio state thought they had a chance to flip him and then he had a huge all-american game caleb downs a kid that there's a lot of talk about now coming to ohio state he was at alabama this year it sounded like his two choices were ohio state and alabama and maybe he would have rather been at Ohio State, but he went to Alabama for other reasons. Uh, maybe they get another shot at him now, but it just sounds like for Perry Eliano, missing out on some of those big-time recruiting battles maybe cost him. And it does look there'd be a couple of uh, all-Pac-12 defensive backs in the portal now that the Washington Huskies job is officially open. Boy, a, a bad week for UW. We'll discuss next. It's Sports Saturday on The Fan. Your morning just got beefier. Morning Juice with Beamer, Bobby, and Shark. Weekdays from 6 to 9. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Instead of annoying national people talking to you this weekend, we've opted for annoying local people. This is Fan Sports Saturday. Eric Reeser, Ryan Baker, Caleb Blake, three men, two names, two and a half hours of fun. 
leading you into Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Tyvis Powell going to join us at 1 o'clock to talk Texans-Browns. And a lot of news happened with Ohio State football this week. And so we know Tyvis, where, where Tyvis's emotions lie today. But I wonder, and I want to get his thoughts, just what's been a week at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center from a perspective of someone who's done it all in the scarlet and gray. On Monday, we crowned a national champion. I don't have to remind you how that went. Michigan Wolverines made Michael Penix Jr.'s life miserable. He played the worst game that he'd ever played in a Huskies uniform. And so the cheaters and the best take the first national championship since 1997. We'll get into the Michigan man a little bit later on in the program because one NCAA boss uh, said some words, and, and they're slightly ridiculous, but there is a, a lot that's going to happen in college football, there's a lot that's happened in college football since the confetti fell at NRG Stadium till now. And then from now until the spring game for Ohio State, we're not sure, Baker, what any of this is going to look like from a, a college football landscape looking down 30,000 feet up. Changes every day. I mean, every hour, really. It may be different by the time we get out of here. Yeah, so it was about 9 o'clock yesterday morning when a Seattle radio station, the flagship for the Huskies, announced that Kalen DeBoer's weekly in-studio appearance was going to be moved or rescheduled um, due to something. The speculation runs rampant at that point because the day bef- two days before, Nick Saban had announced his retirement. And that was pretty shocking because you would have thought, well, all right, he took this Alabama team that looked dead in the water in the middle of the season, like they weren't winning the SEC championship. And he did what many have thought to be his best coaching job ever in Tuscaloosa, taking them on the, the, the literal doorstep of a college football national championship game. They go to overtime against Michigan in the final play of the game. The Wolverines stopped Jalen Milrow just short of the goal line. And so Kalen DeBoer, likely one of several coaching candidates that you would think should be next up for Alabama. Dan Lanning, the day prior, uh, that Thursday, said he wasn't going anywhere. Steve Sarkeesian put something out on Friday saying he wasn't going anywhere. You didn't think it's that time for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, but DeBoer hadn't made anything in the official. And about 2 o'clock yesterday, the news broke. Um that he was going to be taking the job at Alabama. And there were reports that Washington wanted to keep him, reportedly doubling his base of $4.2 million. And so even at, what, $8 million, it still feels like you're getting a pretty good deal that Alabama was. And those contract terms I haven't seen yet from what DeBoer is going to be getting in Tuscaloosa. But it was funny just having Paul Feinbaum on yesterday on Bishop and Friends. He talked about how Saban at $9.5 million was a total steal for Alabama, considering what he had done for that university from a football revenue standpoint, but just from a national eyes on this university standpoint. I mean, there was, there's been no better salesperson for the University of Alabama, save Bear Bryant. It's funny. I heard Bo talking with you guys uh, last week or earlier this week about Alabama and the football program and what it's done. And he talked about kids up in the Cleveland area that are just wanting to go to school at Alabama just because of what the football program has done. They don't play football. They don't play any sports, but they're going to school at Alabama because of what they see on the TV screen every Saturday. And it's, it's similar here, right? Ohio State wins in 2002, and I don't think it's a coincidence that enrollment went up. 
I don't think it's a coincidence that there continue to be more applications to Ohio State. And with most universities, when they, they reach that kind of prominence, USC had a similar boom. I mean, going to college in Hollywood wouldn't suck, but at Florida. But these, and I'll borrow the phrase, it's the front porch of the university is your football program. And so for Kalen DeBoer and for Washington, that stinks. Because you have that game Monday go the way it went where it never really felt like Washington was going to win. It felt like there were moments that Washington had a chance to get back in it. But Michael Penix misses completely Romo Dunze on fourth down, throws an interception on the very first play in the second half. And you maybe there was a chance in the fourth quarter, but Michigan's able to, as they had done for most of the season against stellar opponents, slam the door. Yeah, and I mean, the drop pass on the third down that was a definite first down that would have kept a that drive that because they were of holding. Moving. Yeah, just all kinds of things. Uh, and again, Michael Penix, because of that Michigan pressure, seemed like he was throwing off of his back foot a lot, throwing the ball high, missing throws that he had made all year long. And with with programs like this that have such a, uh, such a shock, you know, to, to, the, to the Washington family, Washington football family, um, it was being reported, and this and KJR in Seattle is the flagship, and so everybody on that radio station's connected with the UW program. Uh, one of their hosts had said that there was a team meeting called for three thirty Eastern time uh, for Kalen to tell his team, "I am going to Tuscaloosa," and it was reported that maybe twenty five percent of the team actually showed up to that meeting. Wow! Because once the coach does announce, and once it is officially official. The portal opens for 30 days for those guys. And so they are starting to receive portal attrition. Uh, Will Rogers, who had transferred from Mississippi State to Washington, uh, it does look like he is in the portal. There's talks that maybe he could join uh, DeBoer and Alabama. But you had a couple of their defensive backs. You had all Pac-12 cornerback Jabbar Muhammad. Uh, announced that he was going to be portal popping, but portal attrition happens when you have moments like this, really truly transformative moments in college football. And we really haven't even been given the proper time, I think, to give Nick Saban his flowers at Alabama, (laughs) because after Saban announces, then Pete Carroll gets shown the door in Seattle or he gets transitioned to an advisor. And I'm using air quotes because that's just the nice way of you don't have to pack your box yet, but just head down the hall, (laughs) keep a box handy for your stuff in your office. Then Bill Belichick announces that or Bill Belichick, I guess, separates. There's the divorce from New England. And and so you're not really given a proper time to say, hey, remember what Nick Saban did? Because soon after Belichick, it's the Gerard Mayo thing. And then it's the Kalen DeBoer stuff. And so now that we've got all of this, it's like, hey, Nick Saban was great, but things move so fast. It's you can't crazy. really like discuss it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no time, and I mean, boom, 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 boom. Like you said, in a in a, it wasn't even 24 hour period. It was less than that. Yes. Three legends in the game are leaving via retirement or changing roles or just a separation of ways, uh, and obviously Belichick and Saban so intertwined in their careers uh, as they've been, and not you talk about the moves there then you have all of the player moves too like people yep. don't like Saban Saban says he's retiring and within seconds people are trying to poach the roster oh yeah Caleb Downs maybe he's going to Ohio State <laughs> go get this guy go get that guy Ryan Williams decommits I mean the the player movement is almost like taking over everything mm-hmm. in all of this and you had wondered you know so the the agent for Kalen DeBoer I'm having trouble remembering who it is, but he's the uh, Jimmy Sexton, super agent to the stars. 
is also the agent of Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, also the agent of Dan Lanning at Oregon, also the agent for Nick Saban, formerly of Alabama, still feels weird to say. But he's going to be doing a hell of a job. Because not only did he get DeBoer, likely a very nice raise, but he also secured what's going to be coming a raise for Sarkeesian and a contract mm-hmm. extension uh, in Austin. Which and that's then, already done deal, is right? It a done deal? Signed? I had I think seen it's, the reports on it. Yeah, I, th- I don't know if it's exactly signed, but it's supposedly the framework is there and it's done. Well-deserved for Sarkeesian. Again, got them into the college football playoff. We can, I think, say with relative, uh, we, we, we can say pretty confidently Texas back. I would think so. Yeah. And Oregon with Dan Lanning, likely, you know, he posts, posts that video. You would, you would think Phil Knight and the brass there and Eugene would say, okay, what, what will it take to keep you from this? Because what Washington's going to experience hopefully isn't a fall off into a chasm because we're welcoming the Huskies into Big Ten country. But there's going to be a drop off from what they just experienced. Like we wonder after, so on Tuesday, you, you would talk, okay, well, Washington will likely be back in the college football playoff. They're going to 12 teams. Now you don't know. Now you don't know what's ever going to happen with Washington because as this has been their most successful run ever. And now there's attrition not only with your coaching staff, but there's attrition with the roster that made this journey possible. And so that stinks. And whenever you're given the chance to go, wow, college football is so wonderful, such great stories, you're smacked in the face and remembered it's a business. It's all about the dollars and cents. A lot of times it doesn't make any sense, but this is a cold, cold business. And UW was reminded about that yesterday. So all of this Alabama and Washington talk, what about the Michigan man? We'll discuss next at Sports Saturday on The Fan. We're the highest rated sports radio station in America. There's no joke there. We just are the fan. Ohio's sports destination. Sports talk weekend style. You're listening to Fan Sports Saturday. Yes, you are. About 12 minutes here. We'll talk with Tyvis Powell as Browns and Texans. A couple hours out from beginning Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. If you hadn't heard the news, the weather in Buffalo has forced Steelers-Bills that was scheduled for Sunday at 1 to now Monday at 4.30. So that'll be an afternoon game. It'll be a very busy Monday as you've got Buckeyes and Wolverines, men's hoops. You've got Blue Jackets playing as well. And then you'll have this wild card game, uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Again, when the Bills were given the $700 million, fun, $700 million from taxpayers, and to build their new stadium, they decided to not have a dome. Can we stop this? Can we, can we stop this discussion about how you have to play football in the elements? See, I love the elements. It's, I love that they're playing Pittsburgh, Kansas City in like negative temperatures. No, like I, I love you don't it. need this. The I Dolphins and the Chiefs do it. not need to be playing in negative 20 degrees tonight. Well, the funny thing is, I don't think either of those teams are probably suited well <laughs> for that kind of weather. Humans aren't suited for that kind of weather. I love it. I enjoy it. One of my favorite... When was the last time you went to an ice-cold game and said, this is fun? So I was at, I think it was, it would have been 2003... 2004-ish, the Browns were hosting the Panthers, and I think it was like two degrees in Cleveland, and it was like negative seven, 
And like I was totally because you you dressed for it. I was totally fine except for my feet. My feet were frozen solid. We also were fortunate enough to have tickets where we could go right back into an indoor bar if we wanted to and have food and drinks and whatnot. But I enjoyed it. Okay, I enjoy so the, the non bourgeoisie <laughs> who's actually like paying to to sit with the the plebes and uh, you have cardboard that you're bringing in so your feet don't freeze. <laughs> You don't get those certain luxuries, and you've got to sit out in this cold. Ryan, I, he asked when the last time you enjoyed one of those games was, and you went back to 20 years ago. Well, that's because that's I the last time I've been to a game like that. I have to point that out, though. It's like... But I've been... That was the last catch time. It's good like, catch out of you. I haven't been to a football game where it was super cold like that. All right, so the like state of since. New York's on the bill for the... The taxpayers in the state of New York are going to pay $850 million of the $1.7 billion in construction for Highmark Stadium. Is that all? Put a damn dome on the thing. Like the NR, the, the game tonight at four, the game today at four thirty between the Browns and the Texans is going to look good, and the game tonight between the Dolphins and the Chiefs is not going to be a visually appealing game because it's not going to be a whole lot of snow. It's going to be super cold, and you're going to try to run the football, which oddly enough might favor the Dolphins. Yeah, probably. Which is very weird. You Although you might not be able to see it unless you get Peacock <laughs> because they're forcing you. Onto the peacock to get this game, unless you have other means of watching NFL games. Can't condone those on this station. But Browns Texans 430 over on 1460, or you can watch it on traditional uh, NBC. That game between the Bills and the Steelers, again, moved to Monday at 430. That'll be on CBS. And then the Monday nighter, Eagles and Buccaneers, that's uh, 815 on ABC. And your game's on Sunday. You got Packers uh, at the Cowboys, 430 on Fox. Rams, the Lions, 8 o'clock on NBC. The funny thing about Dallas and Detroit, do you know what they have? Domes! They're playing at Ford Field (laughs) tomorrow night. It's going to be cold. You know what? It's not going to matter because they're in a dome. You know what was funny? They were talking about possibly, maybe, moving the Bills-Steelers to Cleveland. You heard that I'd rumor I heard those rumors, there. yes. And the NFL was very quick to be like, no, we're not moving that. You should have just, if you were going to move it anywhere, you should have moved it to Ford Field and had a doubleheader, a playoff doubleheader. Haven't that they done that been, before? That would have been ingenious. Silliest damn thing. <laughs> it, it, it's unnecessary, right? It's unnecessary, almost like unnecessary for the NCAA president to come out and say, quote, I don't regret doing it. Because sitting on that information, given the comprehensiveness of it, I think would have put everyone, including Michigan, in an awful place. As it was, it was out in the public domain, and people either made adjustments or didn't. At the end of the day, no one believes at this point that Michigan didn't win the national title fair and square, end quote. I mean, isn't this what we said was going to happen all along? He was talking, what was this, at the NCAA's convention in Phoenix, was asked about, quote, their unprecedented approach to the Michigan Michigan science-stealing investigation that they are still looking into. Like, a Big Ten's already ruled and decided Harbaugh missed three games. He missed six games last year because of other investigations. Like, they've got four different bodies investigating Michigan right now, and that's not including the Big Ten because the Big Ten's wrapped theirs up. But for Charlie Baker to come out and say, well, because we did it when we did it, it allowed for adjustments to be made, and I think they won the national championship fair and square— is going to be extra ridiculous when the NCAA decides to rule because you don't expect this to be a slap on the wrist, do you? I mean, we didn't think so. It might now. 
tell you otherwise. But let's be honest now, at this point, it is a slap in the wrist regardless because the national championship happened. You can't, you're not going to take that away. Like at Ohio State, there's not a 1999 anymore on the Final Four banner in the shot. But guess what? I remember it. I remember Scooney yeah. Penn and Michael Red beating the number one seed Auburn. I remember them playing Rip Hamilton and Khalid Elamine and losing to Connecticut. It happened. Like Michigan won the national championship this year. You can't take it away from them. Just like Reggie Bush won the Heisman, whether he has it in his possession anymore that. or not. I remember seeing him do that. I remember seeing him and the spectacular year that he had in route to the Heisman. So you're right. It, 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 there's nothing really that can be done at this point to properly punish Michigan for this because we all saw what they did against Ohio State. We all saw what they did the Big Ten Championship. We all saw what they did against Alabama. And we all saw what they did this past Monday against Washington. That's the best team in the country, and they proved it on the field. You know what's crazy about this statement to me? It says here that Baker hopes the inquiry will accelerate now that the season is complete. Michigan's on-field coaches have not yet been interviewed by the NCAA staff. COVID proved to us a couple years ago, we can stop games yep. and then replay them. You should have stopped it right then and said no more until we get this figured out. And you can do interviews from anywhere on the planet via Zoom. Or if you're still using Skype. Or if you'd like to FaceTime. Because Connor Stallions came out of the woodwork on Monday with a gif of a guy celebrating. And we, of course, obviously know that he's celebrating the Michigan man's success. But you can interview anybody anywhere on the planet. So the fact that you are not interviewing assistants right now is you're choosing not to do that. Every day on Bishop and Friends, you guys have... A team's chat where you whoa, can see whoa, each whoa, other and wave. Keep behind and the <laughs> curtain. Ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Giving away the tricks you, of the trade. Right. What here. the heck? <laughs> now you're going to tell me like the McNuggets, not actual chicken breast. Like this is, this is not what I had expected. <laughs> but what I did expect was some former fashion Tyvis Powell to join the show because as he said, for uh, we've done this thing, the Sports Saturday Spectacular, for the past three years. Spectacular. This, this, is, this is our third season, so the past two years and change. And he hasn't been adamant that he has a stellar attendance record, that he's only missed like one or two. And nobody, it, the thing is, nobody's taking attendance on these things. Tyvis is. But Tyvis will be in attendance next at Sports Saturday on the fan. Matty Ice is currently bathing himself in creamy jalapeno dip. And I've officially run out of ways to tease this show. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays at noon. The Fan. Zoot suits, poodle skirts, hot rods, lava lamps, bell bottoms, tie-dye, sideburns, grunge, perms. At NJM Insurance, we've seen a lot of trends come and go since 1913. But one trend we've never gotten on board with is using jingles or mascots. We'd rather be known for our top-rated service and great rates. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Visit NJM.com to see how we're different. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit LindsayHonda.com. WBNSFM HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Sports Center. Good afternoon, I'm Caleb Blake. 
Wildcard weekend begins in the NFL today. We start in Houston as the Texans will host the Browns at NRG Stadium. Brownies got the win in the first clash between the two teams back in Week 16, but a big difference today. C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson are both healthy and active for Houston. They'll kick things off at 4.30, but we'll have coverage with pregame beginning at 2.30 over on 1460 ESPN. Also later on tonight, the Miami Dolphins are in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. A lot going on in this one. Tyreek Hill's first game back in Arrowhead. It's supposed to be negative 4 degrees. Should be a fun one. It's scheduled to kick off at 8 p.m., but make sure you have your subscriptions ready as it is exclusively on Peacock. Some other news in the NFL. Unfortunate news if you're an Eagles fan is A.J. Brown has been ruled out for Philly's wildcard game against Tampa with a knee injury. And also, incoming snowstorm has moved the Steelers-Bills game to one from 1 p.m. tomorrow to 4.30 on Monday. Also, if you're a hockey fan, CBJ are back home to play the Kraken. That one begins at 6.30 right here on The Fan. Friend, not friends. The fan is still live and local with Fan Sports Saturday. The name might not be great, but what if we included Tyvis Powell, a three-year starter for the Buckeyes, defensive MVP of a national title game, and the man who brought down Alabama. Ball in the air toward the end zone, and that ball is going to be... Look out! The Buckeyes get it! Coming out of the end zone with a football for Ohio State is Tyvis Powell. He goes racing up and is tackled at the 30-yard line, and the king of the SEC has fallen. It's Fan Sports Saturday with national champion Tyvis Powell. Oh, and uh, and Eric Reeser. And Ryan Baker and Caleb Blake rolling along for the next two hours here on the uh, Saturday of Super Wild Card Weekend. And yes, per his request, we have the intro. Now here's the man, courtesy of the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline, Tyvis Powell keeping his perfect attendance alive. Only the second weekend in the 2024. Tyvis, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Hope your trek north to Cleveland is safe. How are you feeling as a Browns fan just a couple hours out before kickoff here? You know, first of all, I want to say you're hilarious for playing that intro. That That's first of all. <laughs> Secondly, I'm mad at you because we you're sat awesome. there last week and I, and I explained to you how I hate Saturdays, and I didn't want the Browns to play on Saturday. Guess what happened? They playing on Saturday. So this is your fault. Now, to answer your question, I'm confident now. I'm confident going up to Cleveland right now. Listen, the Browns, obviously, it's a different game when the quarterback is in, when you got your guy in there. But I think this Browns team have shown you that it's not the same old Browns. You know, they bring that physical, that physicalness to this game that it's going to take. And I think just the fact that they've been able to overcome so many injuries, I don't think that stops today. I know that the C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins and Devin Singletary is all great and all, but I think that this Browns defense is ready for that challenge, and they're ready to go out there and show everybody why they were the number one defense in the NFL this year. Tyvis, first things for me here, how is the drive to Cleveland going with the brutal conditions out there? I wouldn't call it brutal. I mean, it's fire. Now, I will say that that wind is serious, and I've had to grab the steering wheel a little extra tight a couple of times on my drive. But outside of that, it's just a good old time on 71. The car's in cruise control, and I put on some old-school R&B, and I just bob my head, you know? Tyvis drives a tank, so it's everybody <laughs> else you'd have to be concerned about if he were to lose control. But 
Both hands on the wheel, bud. You can hear his lovely voice. Uh, 2.30 today over on 1460 ESPN. That's pregame coverage of Browns and Texans. The boot will meet the ball at NRG Stadium at about 4.30. Tyvis, kind of the theme for the other games has been the conditions, weather-wise. You've got minus 20, what they're going to be playing in, Chiefs and Dolphins tonight in Kansas City. And I don't know if you've heard the news, but Sunday's game between the Bills and Steelers in Buffalo, that's been moved to Monday because of inclement weather in the area. So my question to you, and I think we've talked about this a couple of times, is why isn't everybody playing in a dome? <laughs> that's a great question. You know, especially the Bills. You know, the Bills, first of all, that's soft that they decided to to uh, move the game. Everybody loves to see a snowball. Like that, that no! snowball. Everybody wants to see that. So that that's crazy that they're doing that, and I'm upset about that. But I don't know. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of people are on this old-school mentality that the game is meant to be played outside. Well, the thing is, a lot of people tune into this game. A lot of people want to go to these games. If you want to make, if you want to put out good product for TV, and you want people to come sit in the stands at all the games, then you will build a dome. I think that from the from a financial standpoint, I think you end up making more money, and I think it'd be much more enjoyable for the fans and the viewers. And like I say, for the players, they'll be able to go out there and play better and don't have to worry about slipping and sliding all over the place. So I don't know why everybody don't build a dome. I, everybody want, They need to let that old school mentality go. Tyvis, we know the Browns and the Texans played just a couple weeks ago. Obviously, no CJ in that one for the Texans, but the Browns had a 30-point lead early in the fourth quarter before the Texans scored a couple late in that one. How much do either of these teams, the Browns or the Texans, take away from that game? How do they use that one just, just a few weeks back? Well, the Texans definitely know that Amari Cooper is for real. And he's somebody that they need to keep their eye on. That's that's the number one thing that they've taken away from that game. For the Cleveland Browns, I mean, you found different ways to beat them. Obviously, Amari Cooper had the big day. You have to realize that that's probably not going to happen again. Yes, their secondary is not the greatest, but I believe that they're a little bit more healthier now. They got they got a veteran in Kareem Jackson back there at the safety position, and I think I would imagine that I would put Stingley on Amari Cooper a lot this game. So I think that both teams have to do a really good job of switching up a little bit of what they did. I think what they did to what the Browns did to win last time, it's not going to be the same uh, recipe for for success today. They're going to have to really – I would love for the run game to get going so the play action can be more deadly for Joe Flacco. Tyvis, uh, for, for the Texans and for C.J. Stroud, really, his first playoff appearance against a defense that – I mean, they're – Ill, just ill intentions. How, what do you expect from the young rookie? Well, you know, CJ, CJ's hard. he's gone up against good defenses while he was in college, you know. And the thing about CJ is, even though he goes up against good defenses and his team may not win, he still puts up good performances and good numbers. Um, I don't expect anything different. I don't expect him to be rattled. I know that the Browns would do a really good job of, you know, disguising coverages, bringing pressures, but I think that's something that he's been able to deal with in college, so it won't be foreign to him. I just don't know right now if he got all the weapons he need. If Tank Dale was still out there, you know, then it would be a different story. But I think the Browns would do a really good job of taking care of Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz, and I think that he'll just run out of weapons to get the ball to. Tyvis, in this game today, maybe the two, probably the two front runners for Coach of the Year 
in the NFL with Kevin Stefanski and D'Amico Ryans, what Kevin's done with the injuries to this Browns team, and then D'Amico Ryans turning around this Texans team that finished uh, with the second-worst record in the NFL last year. One, who do you think will get the coach of the year this year in the NFL, and how much uh, do either of these coaches affect this game today? I really can see that one going either way. I mean, obviously being a homer, I can see that I would love for Kevin Stefanski to win it because of the injuries that he's overcome. But D'Amico Ryans was my assistant linebacker coach when I played for the San Francisco 49ers, so I know him personally, and I would love for him to get it as well. (laughs) Um, The coaches – uh, I think the coaches play a big part in it because they got to be able to handle checks and adjustments. And I think that D'Amico – see, listen, last year when D'Amico was the defensive coordinator for San Francisco, he was one of the best in the NFL, if not the best in the NFL, at going at halftime, realizing what an offense does, and making sure that it doesn't even work in the second half. I mean, the way that they shut teams down in San Francisco last year in the second half defensively was remarkable. Now, I don't know if he has the horses to do that right now, but he will. He's such a great mind that he's going to put a pin in a lot of things that Kevin Stefanski is doing. On the flip side, Kevin Stefanski has shown you that he's a really good play caller today or this season with some of the adjustments that he's made. So I'm very interested to see who has the better second half in the team as far as our offense versus their defense. I already know that Jim Schwartz is going to do his thing defensively for four quarters, but I think that that's how the coaches play a part in this game today. All right, Tyvis, we'll stick with coaching, but we'll move it to the college ranks as there are a couple of uh, couple of noteworthy moves this week with Nick Saban retiring on Wednesday and then Kalen DeBoer taking Nick Saban's job at Alabama. Uh, you were involved in something like this, being recruited by Jim Trussell and then Urban Meyer uh, comes in at, at Ohio State. Just what, what, is your, what were your thoughts when the DeBoer news happened and what could be going through these players' minds at Washington and at Alabama? Well, I think, well, the people in Washington has probably heard a little bit because obviously they just went to the championship with this coach, and some of them are thinking, hey, maybe I should follow him to Alabama. Now you got to realize, will he take you to Alabama? You know, it's kind of like when Dion left Jackson State. You know, a lot of people tried to hop in the portal, but some of them might not be good enough for Alabama. That's a totally different ball game, you know, going from the Pac-12 to the SEC. Um, but as far as a kid that's at Alabama, I think they got to make the decision, you know, do I believe that this guy from Washington, is he a good coach? I think he is a good coach. He was just in the national championship. Do I believe that he has what it takes to coach us to get us back to, you know, championship form? If the answer is yes, then you stick around. If the answer is no, or if you got, you just don't gel with him, then that's when you see guys hopping in the transfer portal, which there's a lot of it's some guys that's rumored to be doing that. So it'll be very interesting to see how things shake out. I, if I was him, I'd get on the phone and make sure I'm trying to recruit and keep some of my guys. That's already key pieces at Alabama. And if you got some guys at Washington that you feel like can help you out in the SEC, which he had a really good wide receiver room, then you recruit them and take them with you. Tyvis, I think you mentioned the transfer portal there. This is the question everyone wants to know. What are you personally doing to recruit and get Caleb Downs here in the Scarlet and Gray next year? Well, right now I'm not doing a thing because right now my mind is focused on making sure I have the best post-Browns pregame show that this world has ever seen. True professional. Uh, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about that you know, on Monday back when I'm back on the clock again. Well, it was your comments last week critical of Ohio State that brought a lot of the a lot of the players back 
I mean, if you think about the news yesterday with JT Tuimoluau <laughs> and Travion Henderson, what are the ex- are the expectations? Uh, they've always been title or bust, but there's no excuse for this team now, right, Tyvis? Absolutely not. I mean, listen, I think that these guys, they, they have, everybody have rabbit ears. You know, you say one little thing, for some odd reason, everybody seems to hear the, the, the statement that you say. I would say that, first of all, Ohio State has always been a really good, done a really good job of having a family atmosphere. You know, that feels like home to these guys. And I think that these guys are deciding to come back because they realize – when they got there four years ago, they was just four years ago. Ohio State was competing in the national championship against Alabama. So I think they realized since then this program has taken a dive a little bit. You know, they haven't won a Big Ten championship. They haven't competed for a national championship. And I think that they want to leave this program where it was when they got it, and that was in the national championship. So I think these guys are taking pride in their university and pride in themselves and trying to make sure that they at least leave the program where it was when they got here. I think that's a lot of the reason why they came back. And I also believe that, listen, Ryan Day has a really good relationship with these guys. They hear the noise about Ryan Day's seat being on fire, so they want to help come in and save their guy. If they are bringing a national championship or a Big Ten championship, I think Ryan Day's job is pretty secure after that. All right, Tyvis, so head back to this Browns game real quick. Give me a key to a Browns playoff victory, the first one in a long time. Oh, that's easy. As long as the Browns don't turn the ball over, which they seem like is impossible for them, but if they don't turn the ball over, this game wouldn't even be close. So you're saying Browns 35, Texans 10? If if there's no turnovers in this game from the Browns offense, yes. All right, I'm going to hold you to it. And be sure, once the Browns-Texans goes final and Cleveland is on to the divisional round, call in to the Browns postgame show and tell Tyvis how happy you are, but that everybody should still be fired, uh, again, regardless of if they win or lose. Again, you'll hear him. Browns-Texans pregame coverage over on 1460 ESPN at 2.30. And then he'll be back on these fan airwaves next week talking about reloading the clip. Tyvis, 10-6, and six, drive safe. We look forward to hearing you on the lovely, lovely Browns pregame coverage between the Texans and, again, the heroic Cleveland Browns. Go Bucks, go Browns. There he goes. Again, courtesy of the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. My friend and yours, Tyvis Powell, perfect attendance still. Through two weeks, he is 2-0, and but so am I. So we will see again. I mean, this will go well past the spring game before we're even worrying about not taking, again, no days off, right? That's the my mindset. I mean, unless you, you know, you can take them now and don't save them for no, later. But. No days off. I think that was Bill Belichick at like a Super Bowl parade said that. And it took less than 24 hours for the Patriots to move on from the hood. We'll discuss next. It's Sports Saturday on The Fan. Let me see. Buckeyes, yes. Jackets, yes. Crew, yes. Fart noises. Hell yes. The Fan. Ohio sports destiny. Live, local, and still slightly drunk. I'm, I'm not drunk, all right? I just have a speech impediment. This is Fan Sports Saturday. I think we either all have that one friend, or at least we all know that one person that whenever someone tells a story, they've just got to one-up it. Whatever experience they want to tell you about, they just have to say, well, I did this, and, and it's somehow better, and it's super annoying. And I do wonder if that's what college football feels about the NFL sometimes. Because Nick Saban announced his retirement, what, Wednesday afternoon, and everybody everywhere went nuts. And then it wasn't 12 hours until Bill Belichick decided, hold my beer. It's all about me now. And 
I can't imagine Nick Saban cared. But everybody else is like, whoa, we haven't even digested this news. And now you're giving us this. I mean, the two most decorated coaches in my lifetime in any sport, gone. There are two very, very different reasons to leave. Saban, disenchanted, disenfranchised with the idea of doing college football. I mean, he already bought a, he bought his retirement home in, in Jupiter, Florida. So he's just ready to enjoy that. He's done everything you need to do in college football. But for Bill Belichick, and I think we had, we had thought that this was going to happen. We didn't think it would happen this soon. We didn't think it would happen, especially, what, 12 hours after Saban. But Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots separating. They made their divorce official on Thursday. And then Friday morning, Gerard Mayo, next head coach of the Pats. And it's funny, you mentioned that whole thing in there. Saban, like, one-upped Pete Carroll. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get to talk about Pete Carroll, who yeah. had a weird press conference about how he was going to step aside and help them bring in somebody else. He was going to take an advisor role with the Seattle Seahawks. And it's like, do you, blink twice if you're being held hostage, Pete. <laughs> yeah, and then boom, you know, Belichick over. I mean, the Belichick, I, I guess all this stuff... All this stuff you kind of heard rumblings about a little bit, like you heard a lot about Saban. I wonder if he wins the national title, if this is the time for him to yep. go out, you know, and people have questioned Pete Carroll for the past couple of years. And obviously Belichick, things haven't gone well in New England since Tom Brady uh, left. They missed so. the playoffs in three of the last four seasons and they won four games this year, finishing last yeah. in the AFC East. I mean, that record's unheard of when it was Belichick and Brady. And then... You had mentioned Gerard Mayo had the thing in his contract. He had a clause in his contract. So he signed an extension two two years ago that he had a clause that he would be coaching waiting when Belichick eventually were to step down. And so reporting's been done that said the Patriots imagined this happening a couple of years down the road, not the next season. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, especially knowing that Mike Vrabel had yep. been let go, maybe he was the next coach there at New England. So now if Vrabel's going to continue to coach in the NFL next season, he's going to have to try to find a spot to jump on the carousel right. here at some point. But when I look back at my lifetime of football and the head football coaches, like the best were Pete Carroll Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. I think the only one you could throw in there is Urban Meyer, possibly. Yep. As, and all three of them in less than a 24-hour span. Boom. Out the door. And likely two of those three you mentioned, and I'll throw Vrabel in the NFL mix, Vrabel, Carroll, Belichick on an NFL sideline next season. Because you've also got reporting for Seattle that Carroll sang non-football people orchestrated my exit. It's like, well, okay, so you can just say the owner got you, the owner had you removed. It's it's a very like that's this thing with Tennessee, and we'll get to the Titans in a second about how things soured between Vrabel and Titans ownership there. Um, but for Mayo, thirty seven, he's the youngest head coach in the National Football League, taking over a title that Sean May had held for a couple of years now as Rams head coach back in twenty seventeen. He did that. Mayo's a month younger than McVay, and so I, I think with. The adage that you never want to replace, that you never want to be the guy after the guy. I think for Mayo, if you're able to keep everything else together, you can sort of replicate that Patriots way. And they're also going to bring in a general manager to actually do the roster 
management side of things. Because I really think that it was general manager Bill Belichick that got head coach Bill Belichick fired. And make no mistake about it, this wasn't an amicable split. This was Robert Kraft saying, you need to leave. Let's do it in the nicest way possible. For sure. And Mayo, just to get back into him, he was done with his pro football career in 2015. He did not join the Patriots staff until 2019. So not only is he young, but he doesn't have a ton of coaching experience here either. This is a uh, big leap of faith for the Patriots in believing in what this guy is and what he can do. Yeah, I wonder if knowing what they know now with how 2023 was going to go, and if you could put inject Robert Kraft with truth serum, would you tell, would you have had him put that clause into Mayo's extension it would have been 2021 or 2022 because I, I think you would have liked to have a, a legitimate coaching search, actually have interviews, actually vet proper persons. Maybe Antonio Pierce comes in. You're, of course, going to want to talk to Mike Vrabel. Like I, I, if you're going to ask me who's going to be more successful in year one with their – in year one, or I guess what would be 2024 – Vrabel's going to have the most success, regardless of what his roster looks like, because the Patriots have a bad roster. Yeah. And if you want to continue with Mac Jones, I'm not sure why, or if you want to keep the zapping going into this next football season, those are your options or somebody else. Yeah, you would have to think, especially bringing in a general manager, the general manager's first thing is going to be like, uh, let's get rid of these quarterbacks. Let's get, find a gotta quarterback. You've got to clean the house. Yeah. You've got to do a lot of cleaning there. And so for Vrabel, um, he had been honored in New England back on October 22nd. That was the Titans bye week this past season. Uh, he'd been inducted into their ring of honor. And uh, before that, I think it was the Boston Globe reporting, he was the, quote, home run choice to succeed Bill Belichick. Now, this was before the the Mayo stuff, obviously, came out where he had that clause being the successor. Um, Vrabel being in New England for the bye week, speaking glowingly about the Patriots organization and the Patriots way, didn't sit well with Titans owner Amy Adams Strunk. They never spoke about it, so it just festered. Um, and this is from Ian Rappaport on Wednesday saying this was Amy Adams Strunk making the decision based on a lot of things, including what happened when he went to New England for the Hall of Fame thing, including not dispelling rumors in house. He was going to be the Patriots coach. So it doesn't sound like she was comfortable enough with how waxing or how he waxed glowingly about New England. And he didn't outwardly say, I'm not going to be the Patriots coach. But why would you do that if you're Mike Vrabel? Like, I'm not dispelling any of those rumors because I just don't know. Why would you if you're any coach? And things aren't going well at your current spot. Be like, I'm just, I'm going to be here. Like, cause you don't know that because Amy Adams Strunk could come down if she's having a bad day and say, well, you're fired now. So it wouldn't, it would behoove him to say, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about that right now. So I get it. It's all, it all kind of seems like a, a bad look possibly, but it sounds like there was. There was a strain in this relationship yep. going back to last year when they got rid of the GM that Vrabel, uh, that brought Vrabel in, that Vrabel liked a lot, and then they brought in Ron Carthen. And it sounds like a lot of this stuff began then, and the separation started. Then. Yeah, and it's with, with billionaire owners, with owners of NFL teams, they always, you don't need to paint the bathroom, but they really want to paint the bathroom, so they paint the bathroom. And you go, why the hell did you do that? The Titans are going to be opening up a new stadium. And so all of that coinciding with the fact that there hasn't been as much success on the field for New England or for Tennessee that they would like to have, I, I think you, you, 
you do this at the right time to kind of begin a new era of Titans football. And they're reportedly interested in Raiders interim Antonio Pierce, but Pierce is getting love from the Raiders who should hire him. Like they had the, they messed the thing up with Rich Bisaccia. Now that you have Pierce as an interim, the players love him. It's very easy, in my opinion, uh, for Mark Davis to do that. But Mark Davis is an idiot. So doing the right thing, I don't think he's ever done. We'll hop off the coaching carousel because I do want to talk what's happening on the field this super wild card weekend. That's next. It's Super Sports Saturday on The Fan. If you're starting your day any other way, you're doing it wrong. Morning Juice with Bobby and Beamer. Weekday starting at 6. The Fan. Garnish your Bloody Mary with Sports Talk. You're listening to Fan Sports Saturday. If I asked you... Of the quarterbacks starting the Super Wild Card Weekend, who has the most postseason starts? You'd probably say Joe Flacco. And you'd be right. He's got 15. None of them with his current team, the Cleveland Browns. None of them with his last team, the New York Jets. They're all with Baltimore. He's got one more than Patrick Mahomes. I saw this from Fox yesterday, and I go, what, what does that matter? And I thought about it a little bit more. It's okay. It means that this isn't going to be too big of a moment for him. Is it going to be too big of a moment for CJ Stroud, who, surprise, has zero postseason starts as he is a rookie? That's the question for me for this game is how can the Browns defense, which looks to be healthier, they'll not have Grant Delpit today, but they'll have Ogbo Okoronkwo back. They got Ronnie Hickman. They got though. Ronnie Hickman playing really well. I think CBS Sports named him to their all rookie team. You've got Miles Garrett given a week off, Zedarius Smith given a week off, given time to heal. What can they do to make CJ Stroud, who hasn't up to this point, look like a rookie today? And I think that's the thing there. Is the moment too big for C.J. Stroud? I don't think so, but is the Browns' defense too much for C.J. Stroud in this Texans offensive line? I think that's the actual question here because I think C.J. has proven he can handle just about anything. He's played, obviously, in big moments, went through tons of criticism here in his career in Columbus at Ohio State. And, uh, I mean, he's just he has just impressed me so much with what he has done this year as an NFL rookie, but can he handle the Browns defense? That's Stroud the thing. never beat Michigan. Stroud never played for a Big Ten championship. It's freaking wild. It's insane. And he's going to win rookie of the year. Him and Marv both. That's crazy. That's nuts to think about. But this is a guy who's been unflappable all season for Houston. And it even deserve an MVP consideration. Because they're not there without Stroud. You saw it back in December. You saw this uniform matchup. You saw it at NRG Stadium. The Browns, it was without question, were going to win that game almost as soon as the boot met the ball in the first quarter. And the biggest question after that was if these two teams see each other because you thought that could be the case with the Texans still very much alive despite that loss in December for the AFC South crown. Yeah, yes, AFC South crown. If they were going to win it, they were going to be playing the Browns who likely weren't going to be able to catch the Ravens at that point for the AFC North. So for the Texans today, they'll have Will Anderson. Noah Brown's questionable dealing with a back injury, but they'll Robert Woods questionable with a hip injury, but Nico Collins will be there for Stroud. Uh, for the Browns, Grant Delpit will not be playing. They activated him off of injured reserve uh, the other day, but he's dealing with a groin injury or he's doing surgery to repair a groin injury. So if they're able to make it to the divisional round, maybe you see Delpit there. 
Um, but Juan Thornhill will be out for that defense. Mike Ford will be out there for that defense. Denzel Ward factors to play for that Cleveland Browns defense and the guys that are healthy for it make this a task for C.J. Stroud. I'm really excited to see, not only because I'm a Browns fan, but I want to see if Stroud can meet the moment. Yeah, and I mean... I think he can. He's met the moment all year, so there's no reason to think that he couldn't other than Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, well, the guys you talked you about know. there. <laughs> then tonight, when we all frantically text our friends who have the Peacock, try to, to get their passwords, although I don't know if what NBC would do the thing of you can't share passwords at this moment. I don't, I don't think they do that as of... You know, there's quite a few people signed into my peak. After some experience, (laughs) there'll be the Dolphins and the Chiefs. The big story from that isn't even about the players on the field. It's about how cold the damn conditions are going to be. Wind chills are going to factor temperatures between the negative 20s and the negative 30s tonight. And I have uh, boots on the ground. I have reports from Kansas City confirming that it's really, really, really daggone cold and brutal in Kansas City right now. Is it boots on the ground or is it boots on the cardboard on the ground? Because that was one of the recommendations for fans that have experienced extremely cold weather games. Of course, you bundle up, but then you bring in uh, cardboard, a couple layers to separate your feet from the concrete. Interesting. I've never heard that. Because you got to keep your, the the biggest thing I think is outside of your your chest, your digits, right? You got to keep those extra warm for this. But there's, there's recommendations for people to bundle up every single part of their body. So that's full face masks. That's eyewear, protective lip wear. What, whatever you tenable. can get. This will be a thing to move it onto the field where you're going to say to Pat Mahomes, you're going to say to Tua Tunga Vailoa, don't turn the ball over. You're it's, just going to be running the, thing, the running the thing. And I think you probably have more faith in Patrick Mahomes in that yes. category than... However, I would have more faith... In a healthy Miami Dolphins rushing attack than I do in Isaiah Pacheco and whatever the Chiefs are offensively. Very true as well. Now, can they? Can Patrick Mahomes make magic? Can Travis Kelsey? Because Taylor Swift will probably be there. Can can they make some short yardage magic and do what the Patriots did for a damn decade in cold weather conditions? Is dink and dunk you to death? I think of that game. What was it? Was it uh, just a year or two ago in New England? Was it New England and Buffalo? I mean, it feels New like England, it's a New England and right. a New York team always playing in <laughs> awful weather every single year. I don't think New England threw the ball once in the game. Right. It was so windy, and I don't think you're going to see that, obviously, with these two offenses. But it is. If, the, if there were two teams in this playoffs that you thought weren't prepared or would fare the least in a game like this, it might be Miami and Kansas City. And so Raheem Mostert and Isaiah Pacheco – the eyes of your fan bases fall upon you. And it's not going to be a high-scoring game, but and field goals will come at a premium. But I do think the Patrick Mahomes factor is 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 big for me. I mean, KC is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm I'm hesitant. I, mean, I think I, I forget what I did on Thursday. We picked the games on Thursday on Bishop and Friends, the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You can listen to Monday through Friday, 9 to noon. I don't remember what I did. I never really remember because I just pick them live in real time. Spoiler alert. But I was was 15 games over 500, so suck it. Not only Patrick Mahomes, but the duo of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like I've said all along, I know it didn't look right down the stretch 
for Kansas City. Never really looked like right all year. But in the AFC, what quarterback coach duo would you put your money on? They're it. And it's those two. Because I, I like Mike McDaniel. I'm not sold completely on Tua Tungavailoa. And it's going to be unfair if Kansas City is able to win this game. If and probably when KC wins this game. If there's any criticism levied against Tua. Because... I don't know what you look at this and again, if you, you pick him when you did for Miami, then this is the game you look at. You all right, Tua win. And if so I guess uh, being unfair to your first round quarterback, uh, there isn't. It's not fair. Nothing. None of this is fair. And unfortunately for Tua in this game, if there's any team that knows how to defend Tyreek Hill and knows him better, it it's, is it's Kansas City. So those will be your Saturday games. Now it's a doubleheader, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. If you hadn't heard the news, uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo scheduled for Sunday at 1 will now be 4.30 uh, Monday afternoon. Where, they were expecting the the giant snow squall to hit Buffalo during the game tomorrow. Yeah, they said the worst part of the storm would have been right in the middle of the So game. it's bad enough if you've got, you know, thousands of people trying to get in and out of the area around the stadium, emergency responders can't get to it. It's like, well, okay, if you can't get to the stadium, you can't get out of the stadium, they don't have the football game. Would would make the most sense to me because I've seen a little bit online, oh, you, you can't move games because of the weather. Like, what's wrong with people? It's like, well, there's a lot wrong with what's going to happen, what could happen to people. So, in the best interest of everybody. Well, and they say that, but just a few years back, 2016, a Steelers-Kansas City game in Kansas City was moved not days at least, but from a one o'clock start Moved later to an in the day. eight in the evening start because of weather concerns. So, so on Sunday, you're going to get uh, two games. Like I said, doubleheaders the next three. You got Packers and Cowboys, got Rams and Lions, and then Monday, again, Steelers, Bills, uh, Eagles, and Buccaneers. If Green Bay beats Dallas, would the Cowboys really fire Mike McCarthy? We'll discuss next at Sports Saturday on The Fan. A lot of hosts have been on our airways in the past 30 years. Some good, some bad, some really bad. Anyway, sorry for that. The fact We firmly believe it's appropriate to tailgate before a youth soccer game. You're listening to Fan Sports Saturday. I mean, you can make anything a tailgate if you have the right mindset. Uh, in that fun uh, career postseason starts for wildcard quarterbacks graphic that I had mentioned... Uh, you had a handful of zeros, and then you had Joe Flacco leading the way with 15. Again, the last two teams he's been on didn't have any postseason starts until today with the Browns. Um, but Dak Prescott has six, so that's one behind Stafford, two behind Josh Allen, uh, a great many behind Pat Mahomes, and even more behind Joe Flacco. But also with zero, Jordan Love. And so while he's not a rookie, this is his first go ahead as the guy for Green Bay. And a lot of the talk this week as the coaching carousel continues to spin has been what to do with with coordinators who were on your staff trying to focus on the playoffs, right? I think Jerry Jones was out in front during one of his 90 weekly appearances he does with media because he can't help himself talking about how while any of his staff can take interviews, the Cowboys have the right to match. And so I think he was just sending a message to everybody saying, well, yes, but we can, you know, we can retain our guys. And one Dan Quinn is getting a lot of, a lot of looks as he should. He's 
Uh, this would be what if 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 and when because Dan Quinn's getting hired by somebody, right? If and when it'll be a second stint as a head coach. A lot of people think he should get a second opportunity. And my biggest thing because I I'm not a Packers fan. I'm not a Cowboys fan. Um, what's it? The Dallas goes into tomorrow with a 16 game home win streak, but they've fallen on their face in the playoffs before. You you think there's no way the Cowboys are going to lose to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers? But if and if it does. Does Jerry pull the trigger right away with Mike McCarthy sending him into the ether and then doing whatever he can to make sure Dan Quinn does not hop on the next flight to Seattle? And I mean, that's it right there. That'd be the only reason I would think that you would get rid of McCarthy after this season is, but a big part of this season has been the play of your defense, which has been Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn's run with the Falcons didn't go great as a head coach, but it sounds like Seattle is very interested in him. So if you think Mike McCarthy can't get you over the hump, um, then yeah, maybe you want to keep this guy around. You think he could be the next guy. Bodie always talks about who is a Cowboys fan. The greatest rivalry in sports is the Cowboys in the divisional round. So I don't think it's a Mike McCarthy problem if you don't advance uh, past the divisional round in the playoffs, but we shall see. And I know that... What, Dak signed his extension December? Sounds about this right. This feels like a postseason that's a, a referendum on him as QB1 in Dallas. Because if, if in fact, this doesn't go well for the Cowboys, and, and it should, right? Like, Cowboys are seven-point favorites in this one. Like, they should win this game. Not comfortably, because it's the playoffs. Not, nothing's com- Nothing should be comfortable, right? Especially if you're the Packers and you got some pride there. But if this does become a, all right, McCarthy gone. And again, this is all predicated on the Cowboys. You know, hell, it's Jerry Jones. The Cowboys could win this week, lose next week in the divisional round like you just alluded to, and you could still jettison McCarthy. It, it kind of feels like anything less than an appearance in the Super Bowl or even a, a, a Super Bowl victory would mean adios, Mr. McCarthy, from Big D. So I, and with with the game, I mean, it... It's just that it's, it's can Dan Quinn's defense make Jordan Love look like this is his first time doing this. And Jordan Love, who's played really well down the stretch of the season, the Packers go into this game with a lot of momentum. And you would have to think that that is definitely on the side of the Cowboys today because their defense have made a lot of quarterbacks yep. look not ready for their defense uh, so far. But you're right. The Packers have been very hot uh, and that will be the thing. We talked about C.J. Stroud. Can he handle, will the moment be too big? Can he handle this Browns defense? It's an almost identical talk for what's going on with the Packers who are coming in hot, winning three straight. So the second game on the slate Sunday is an 8 o'clock Lions and Rams. This game will be in Detroit. And, of course, the focus has been Matt Stafford's return to Detroit and you know Jared Goff facing his former team. And while the... The Lions are the favorite in this one. I have heard a lot of chatter that the the Rams are, are the better team. I don't think that's the case. I think they've played well, but I still think that this Detroit squad, um, I mean, they've got more to prove, obviously, right? Because like, th- this, this can't be just a one and done for Detroit based off of the season that they've had. And there was a lot last week about, you know, playing your starters. You know, Sam Laporta, while he's been uh, practicing this week, I think is... You know, that knee injury, you, you can't get that out of your head of him being helped off the field. And so I, I do think that this will be fun, right? But 
you know, it, this the Lions should not lose this game. I wouldn't think so. This one, to me, kind of comes down to who can rush the ball better. And I would think I would err on the side of the Detroit Lions in that because they've got two guys yep. that can do it with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Uh, with them, Kyron Williams uh, has been banged up some. The This Rams team is a different team when he's in there, though, and they're running the football effectively. The Puka Nakua story is great, yeah. and the whole story of Stafford coming back to Detroit. And I think I saw they're banning old Lions Stafford jerseys today at Ford Field. They're not allowing them in the building. Huh. I think I saw that earlier in the week. That seems uh, extra playing, petty. Yeah, playing up on that a little bit. But uh, yeah, the uh, this the, the Detroit Lions. This story for them. What? How cool would it be, Reese, if we could get a Lions Browns? No, Super Bowl? let's take it a week at a time here. <laughs> then I think you do in this case change the Lombardi Trophy to that barge that they have. <laughs> the, the the preseason. Uh, I'll use air quotes. Rivalry between the two teams. Just some barge that you know sends cargo back and forth from Lake on Lake Erie. That's the new tro- that's the Super Bowl trophy, at least it's for perfect. this occasion. Uh, I'm just looking here, and there was video of Sam Laporta warming up uh, yesterday, which is good. He practiced on Friday, going to play that weekend, but he's got a gigantic knee brace on, and he's been huge for this Lions offense at times when they've not been able to run the ball. He's been very steady in that, and we, we laughed a lot about what the Lions did in the draft, and their first-round picks have been great for them. Sam Laporta, any other year? would probably be a runaway for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Probably. And he's, he's not even in the conversation right now because Nakua and Stroud have been so good. I'm just trying to see. Yeah, that, that'll that be it, right? Is is Puka Nakua for the Rams, and then for me it's Laporta for the Lions offensively. Two rookies in a playoff game are right. the key. It's a young man's game. It was an ugly scene uh we'll do uh plenty more uh from the nfl but it was an ugly scene last night in chicago that we will discuss as we enter the third hour of sports saturday on the fan the only radio show ryan day listens to when we're holding him hostage making him listen to a radio show the buckeye show weeknights at six the fan just because it's the weekend doesn't mean we shut up this is fan sports saturday as you heard it's super Sports Saturday in honor of Super Wild Card Weekend. Doubleheaders today, uh, tomorrow, and Monday. Eric Reeser, Ryan Baker, Caleb Blake rolling along until 3 o'clock today. If you had not heard the news, uh, inclement weather in Buffalo have moved the Bills-Steelers game to 4.30 Monday. It was slated for Sunday at 1 o'clock, but now it will be again Monday afternoon. And, and so, yeah, as you heard, Caleb with the Jackets and the Kraken tonight. CBJ at home for the next three. Um... Boy, there was some some news yesterday out of Nationwide Arena that we will get to here in about 20 minutes. Someone didn't ask for a trade or said they didn't ask for a trade, but there was a but. It was a big but. And that but's going to have a lot to do with the direction of this franchise. One of the, if not the most, uh, important position on the ice. Um, I, I don't know how much attention you guys are paying to the NBA right now. I, I know we're still football, 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 football. Um, the, the NBA, I can't say, I, I don't know how to sell it to you. If you're not, you know, you have to kind of be a diehard. You have to have a team like the Cavs. You have to have a, a, a you know, 
a, a team like the Timberwolves having a great year. I mean, even if you're like a Bucks fan, if, if you're a casual Bucks fan, you're like, eh, they're fine. Or if you're a Celtics fan, you're not a diehard, then you're, you're not really invested, right? Like, I, I, I've been watching the Cavs this year. I, I watched them Thursday in Paris, and I thought that was really cool. What wasn't cool is if you were paying any at all attention to the association last night. Well, let me I, let me start with this. So Friday night, Warriors were playing the Bulls in Chicago. When it's a lighter sports night, Ryan Baker, what do you usually turn on? If 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 the teams that we are, we care the most about, Buckeyes aren't playing, Jackets aren't playing, your Reds aren't playing, Bengals aren't playing, and they're not playing today either. Browns aren't playing. What's on your television? Probably switching to, you know, sports wise, we're looking at ESPN, just catching a sports center to catch the highlights. You know, uh, I'm a big hockey guy, so I may see, you know, what's on hockey wise on ESPN plus or TBS, TNT, you know, what, whatever that's going to be. Cause I like keeping up on the league. I am not uh, the guy that's turning the NBA on though. That's for sure. Caleb. That, that's me, though. Like, I will turn on any NBA game. I haven't been as great this season, uh, especially with the Cavs, because Valley Sports sucks. Um, yes, but, the worst. You know, <laughs> can I mean, confirm. <laughs> but we ride. Uh, but yeah, I'll try and catch, you know, ESPN Wednesday or like TNT Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, so I don't know how many uh, saw this live and in real time, but when it happened, it is one of those moments that dominates your social feed that you get alerts from from if you're if you get ESPN alerts if you get CBS alerts if you get Twitter alerts or the artist formerly known as Twitter alerts but this was uh at the half of last night's game between the Warriors and the Bulls it was at the United Center in Chicago where they were celebrating their inaugural class for the organization's new ring of honor like that's a thing now everybody's doing ring of honors and for the Bulls it's like do you have an extra United Center to do a ring of honor just with all the championships and the people that you would honor who made those championships possible because spoiler alert, it, w- it was a lot Michael Jordan, but it was more than Michael Jordan. For sure. Like it takes a team to do all of this. And yes, your airness was the catalyst for all of that. But we all watched The Last Dance and, and we all kind of saw how certain people were painted in negative lights. And I do think that had a lot to do with because Jordan was so involved with it. That's why they got him to speak on camera, sitting in a chair, saying he took things, he took, he took great offense to things. Like those are the only reasons you get guys like that in there is if they can have some sort of editorial control over that. And one guy who got a, a brunt of negativity in those and then in in years after was Jerry Krause, was the former manager of former general manager of the Chicago Bulls and really the architect for a lot of those teams. And and now we can have the discussion and I think we will here in a second about what his role was in that dynasty going away, but when you want to talk about the 13 men from the 1995-1996 team that won 72 games in the NBA championship, he's the general manager there. He put that together. He deserves the credit for that. And so when they showed the images at the half of everybody that was involved in that, Phil Jackson, they showed the players involved. Of course, Michael Jordan gets a standing ovation. Jerry Krause's name came up, and an image of him came up. And of course, he has since passed, passed away in 2017. But when his image popped up on the screen, he got thunderous boos from those at the United Center. And I don't know what prompted them to do this for NBC Sports Chicago and even for the the camera operators or the producers of the in-game entertainment there but they they showed a they they showed his his his, his widow just sitting there and, and she was I don't know distraught's not the right word but it looked like she was crushed yeah by the reception that her late husband was getting for the fans in attendance. 
Like it was, it was as disturbing of an image as I've seen from sports on social media. The reaction that the fans there were were doing, they're just booing this man who, again, he's he's, he's passed. Like, can can you let that go a little bit because he's no longer with us? But then to have his widow sitting there, who was supposed to be there to celebrate the work of her husband and to celebrate the things that teams her husband had built had done was a terrible look for the fans in attendance. And I even think the people with NBC Sports Chicago, uh, whoever it was calling the game, was like, this does, this isn't New York. This isn't Philadelphia. This doesn't happen in Chicago. It's like, sir, this is happening right now. Right now in live time. I mean, that's – could you ever think of – like I've seen players or co- – you know, Art Modell comes to mind. I mean, couldn't show his face in Cleveland again after he took the Browns away. But he never brought the Browns a championship. If Modell would have brought them a championship, maybe that was different. This guy built a dynasty yep. in your city, and now maybe he broke it down. Maybe he tore it up. I, I would say he was part of that. I, I do think that you have to give credit in the disintegration of the dynasty to the play, some of the players. For sure. But I'm just saying, like, maybe he fast-forwarded that. Maybe he did it too soon. Could have accelerated look, it. Look at the Patriots, though. They could have gotten parted ways with Bill Belichick. Some should have said they should have parted ways with him and not Brady, possibly, you know? A lot of times we crucify these guys for hanging on to something too long. Nobody ever does it at the right time. There is no such thing. There's never a right time to break it up. Uh, So he was doing what he thought was the best for the vision of the franchise, but they, he won. I mean, it, it wasn't just one championship. It was six. six it was a dynasty. I mean, he was the GM there from what eighty not eighty nine to like two thousand and three or something. And like we were talking about, he single handedly brought Phil Jackson in. He had had a relationship with Phil Jackson that went back to when he wanted the Washington Bullets to draft right. Phil Jackson. So it's pretty insane. And I know Jordan gets a lot of the credit. Phil Jackson gets a lot of the credit. For those teams, but Jerry Krause, eighty-five those teams to three, he was the general manager there. So his widow Thelma was shown up on the screen, and it it felt to me like they were showing her to stop people from booing. And I, I get that choice there, but I would not have put her up on the screen. I and I, I feel horrible that 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 happened. And it was Stacy King, who is former Bulls forward, now with NBC Sports Chicago, who was saying that this doesn't happen in Chicago. It's like no, it. Happen. It's happening like in real time, buddy. I don't ever want to tell fans how to fan, but in this instance, it's like this was when I when I saw all of this. I look back and I go, man, that that the the last dance might have done him a little dirtier than what should have been. And because I, I, I think like Bulls fan, like current Bulls fans or Bulls fans who were in you know their less than formative years during that, they don't remember being there. Like now, they're still pooping in diapers, but they remember everything from that. And because, you know, everybody looks to Jordan who sh- who wasn't there in attendance, but he had a video message like they remember, oh, Jordan, this, ah, Michael. And he should. But six championships aren't just done by one person. And so I, I did want to bring that up because I, I just I was floored uh, that they would have that kind of reception to it. Because then I, you, I do wonder, I, I will say the Browns have a toxic portion of their fan base that's more vocal than other fan bases. So I could see where if anything ever happened like that, I would wish that my fan base wouldn't be that. 
Yeah, you would you would hope for sure that that's not the case. The Browns fans, though, they still want Joe Woods fired, and he's been gone this whole he's, year what, in, New Orleans, in New Orleans. But... Now, <laughs> yeah, he's not listening to Dennis Allen either. Um, so, some happier stuff we want to get to, obviously, with Ohio State uh, hashtag reloading the clip. Or the hashtags reload the clip, but they are doing reloading uh, with a silver bullet defense that. Boy, they look to be just as sharp and fierce as ever next season um, for the offense, for this Ohio State squad, bringing a lot of guys back. Marvin Harrison, of course, gone. Like that was something that we could have called a year ago. This would have been his last season in Columbus. But we'll discuss some of the guys offensively that are going to be returning. And a guy who popped into the portal realized that, well, the grass isn't always greener there. And luckily enough, there's a spot for him in Columbus. That's next. It's Sports Saturday on The Fan. Big voice guy here to remind you that you're listening to The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, instead of annoying national people talking to you this weekend, we've opted for annoying local people. This is Fan Sports Saturday. And we're not as annoying because we're local. So that ultimately is the decider there. If we're more annoying than national people, no. Because we're local, so we're less annoying. Instead of giving you stuff about New York, we'll give you stuff about Columbus or Central Ohio or college football, which is the case today because, boy, has a lot happened. So like yesterday evening, uh, Kalen DeBoer, new Alabama football coach. That feels weird to say. That feel weird to hear. So Kalen DeBoer holds a team meeting with players on Alabama's uh, roster who have not declared for the transfer portal. Several players have declared for the transfer portal. And there was a fake account that's made its rounds on the artist formerly known as Twitter about Jalen Milrow declaring for the transfer portal. Because you do have to declare for the portal. Once you pop into the portal, then you got to declare out of the portal. So when a coach leaves a current position, say Nick Saban retires on a Wednesday, Players have 30 days to enter the transfer portal and find a new destination. In the players meeting yesterday, you of course had Alabama media congregated outside of the football facilities because we've got to see who's going to this. Unlike the Washington meeting, which Kalen DeBoer had on exiting Seattle, which only I guess 25% of Huskies current players went in because most of them were probably weighing their options as is understandable, right? That's why I think we, at least from my vantage point, I enjoy the freedom more so that players have now. Like I enjoy what the transfer portal has given players because for so long, it was like when a coach jets at the end of a season, despite telling players or recruits that he's staying, the players are stuck. Now that they have that freedom of movement, I think it's healthier for everybody. But Jalen Milrow attended this meeting with Kalen DeBoer last night, yelled roll tide and yelled, I ain't going anywhere. So just be careful what you see out there. I know Ricky Bobby said, if you're not first, you're last. Well, it's not so much as important being first here. It's just being right. And always check your sources. Make sure like, and I saw. Don't that, get got. There's a, I almost got got. There's a, uh, close. a fake Tennessee account out there that said Milrow was transferring. And as I looked at it a little more, it says like the big orange, big orange or punch. I'm looking yeah. at it right now. And I'm like, wait a second. Why would that be? And then you look into it a little more and you find out that that's not actually the case. But uh, always people out there being sneaky and scandalous on them internets. That's what makes it fun. Um, I think it's Will Rogers, uh, former Mississippi State quarterback, is reported to be going with DeBoer to Tuscaloosa. Um, so... You know, you have Milrow for one more season because it doesn't feels like the job is still his unless DeBoer's like, I ain't playing with this guy. But he got benched in the middle of the season by Saban. So 
and curious he, case of Jalen Milrow. He was leaving Mississippi State to go to Washington. Now leaving Mississippi State to go to Alabama. Well, that's a little more a shorter intriguing. flight. That's for sure. Uh, we did have a, uh, some portal movement for Ohio State. Bryson Rogers, a three-star redshirt freshman receiver, uh, had entered the portal two weeks ago, had taken a couple visits. It was reported Florida, UCF. But he also, with a message this morning, reload that MF clip. That's the popular hashtag amongst Ohio State players announcing their return to Columbus uh, in 2024. So for the Buckeyes, who last week added Kansas State's Will Howard, added Ole Miss running back Quinshawn Judkins, added Alabama offensive lineman Seth McLaughlin, and don't forget Ohio tight end Will Kasmerich. Go Bobcats. Because you had Cade Stover, who's obviously be going to the NFL, and then you had Joe Royer, who popped into the portal. You need a big body to do some blocking there. Because I was asked, is he going to catch passes from Will Howard? I was like, no, he's going to block. He's a tight end at Ohio State. You, I mean, you hope he can enter the Stover Kate role. Kate Stover caught some passes. Stover was pretty special, man. G. Scott's caught a couple. <laughs> maybe, caught, maybe, G. Scott caught a couple. Maybe maybe Jelani Thurman will, you know, get in there and show the little bit that when he when got the, into the, the game. When the Casmeric news came out, I'm like, I don't think he played a whole lot last year. I think they are just they need a body to move. Biddle said he liked him. Said he thought he liked what the kid showed as a freshman and sophomore at OU. Said In, in a smattering of action for the Bobcats. But that makes uh, four highly touted. Offensive players for the Buckeyes out of the transfer portal. And I honestly didn't really need to do any portal pursuing defensively because everybody's coming back. <laughs> not a lot of room defensively. Not much needed. Although, and they've, I think they'll find some a spot for Caleb Downs if, if he Caleb decides Downs to come. Caleb Downs would like to come from Tuscaloosa to Columbus, yeah, I, I think the coaching staff uh, and the collectives will figure that out. Uh, did you see what had happened with Florida State real quick? With... The, with the NCAA coming down. Oh, I did not see With this. several sanctions for violations of name, image, and likeness rules. And the main thing was with a recruit and their offensive coordinator for the Seminoles had worked with the, co- the football collective in what the NCAA is considering recruiting inducements, saying, if you come here, we will get you name, image, and likeness deals. And that's a no-no in the NCAA. Isn't that what everybody's doing right now? Isn't that what Jeremiah Smith waited to do before he signed on the dotted line for Columbus? Yes. Yes, it is what everybody is doing. It is comical. Should have bought him a cheeseburger. The NCAA is coming down on Florida State. But it is not coincidental. They're doing it in the same week that they announced these guidelines that said, we would like everybody to announce what they're doing with name, image, and likeness. We will offer resources and support for every school under the NCAA's purview so that we can make this a more transparent experience. And then the day after that, they said we are going to be working more diligently to pursue any rule breakers in the name, image, and likeness space. So, of course, they've got to pick a big fish to do this with. And it's less about really what the NCAA did, more so about who snitched on Florida State because – there is a flat rule that you cannot offer recruits anything in the name, image, and likeness space, whether it's a truck, whether it's cash, whether it's uh, insert name, image, and likeness deal here to come to your university. It's got to be done much in the uh, the explicit sense of come here and we will work with these companies to get you deals. Once you are here, we will get you that money. That's the ex- that's what has to be explicit. So for the NCAA to come a call and someone had to drop the dime. I mean, isn't the dime everything that's going on right now? Like it's not, so it's out not what you there know, it's what you can prove it. in this case. And the NCAA had enough proof to be able to say 
all right, you've got to lose uh, all connection with this football collective for a year. Your offensive coordinator's got to take a three-game ban, and I think there's like a $5,000 fine. Nothing on Mike Norvell, but it was interesting talking to Paul Feinbaum yesterday. He said that that was one of the reasons why Alabama soured on Norvell is because you can't really hire the head coach a day after the NCAA handed his program sanctions. But because Mike Norvell has a good agent, yeah. he was able to secure eight-year, $10 million deal. So good job out of another Jimmy Sexton client. And again, what happens when Alabama opens up, everybody whose name is involved with an FBS program is going to their agent and saying, because I think James Franklin, there was even some rumblings about him taking the Alabama job. And I, I know if you're listening to me now, you're probably giggling. Like James Franklin can't beat Ohio State and Michigan. How the hell is he going to beat Florida or Georgia or Auburn or Alabama? He's not, not going to beat Texas or Oklahoma either. James Franklin stinks. <laughs> and I feel really bad uh, watching Drew Aller, an Ohio guy, struggle his freshman year knowing that they're not going to develop him worth a damn because they've never developed a quarterback at Penn State. They get guys like Christian Hackenberg who are the sexiest thing ever to come out of high school and they can't develop him worth a damn. He was a second round pick. <laughs> Jets, yeah. Have you Jets, heard from him since? The Jets, the Jets put a, used a second round pick on him. I guess the moral of this story is <laughs> it's not brutal. <laughs> don't no receipts, right? Don't leave receipts. Everything needs to be implicit. It's, don't don't write anything down or don't, pay the bag man. Don't write anything down. Don't take any pictures. Don't take any video. Always pay cash. Deny, deny, deny. All right. So what we had scheduled for this segment before we almost got got by a fake Jalen Milrow account. Uh, was some news with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Again, Elvis Merzlikens says he has not requested a trade, but there's a but. We'll tell you what that but is next at Sports Saturday on the fan. Bo Bishop is a media legend. We have no idea where the other guys came from. Bishop and Friends. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The Fan. Sports Talk Weekend Style. You're listening to Fan Sports Saturday. If you've listened to Caleb Blake at all today, and I don't know why you're not, you'll know that the Jackets are playing tonight on the fan. So you've got Browns Texans over on 1460 ESPN AM. CBJ, Seattle Kraken, 7 o'clock faceoff from Nationwide. It's the first of a three-game homestand for the Jackets, and of course we'll have pregame coverage starting at 6.30. Ryan, when was the last time you saw Elvis Merzlikens start in net for the Blue Jackets? Uh, it would have been a game against Toronto on December 29th. I think that was three weeks ago, Friday. Since then, it doesn't feel like it's been any injury news. I think he was sick. He left that game. For a string. He left that game with an illness. So, played the first quarter or first period and then left. It's like once a season, it's the Columbus Flu Jackets. Because something gets into the locker room and then it just spreads. So yeah, the December 29th game left after the first period. Um, illness. Day after the game, and this is from Aaron Portsline of The Athletic, the Blue Jackets approached Mers Lincolns with their plans to take a hard, long look at goaltender Daniil Tarasov. And since then, since the 29th, it's been Tarasov or it's been Spencer Martin. Looks like tonight it's going to be Daniil Tarasov in net. Elvis will be on the bench, though, as the backup. He'll He's not healthy scratch. Backup, which are you paying $5 million for a backup? You are not. This team, Reese, this team is just... So after Pascal Vincent announced Tarasov's getting the start against the Kraken, Elvis spoke with reporters about that decision. We decided to have a new scenario. Yeah, it's 
I don't know what they're gonna do. This is not on me. It's not my plan. Uh, but again, I, how I can tell you, I'm happy to sit as the third goal. Uh, I, even when Corpy was here, I, I, I told you many times, guys, I'm not back up and I won't be back up. I believe in myself. You can call me arrogant. I don't. I honestly, right now, I'm gonna copy the, the words of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. If you know who is it, I'm not arrogant. I'm just confident. When you're paraphrasing Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know things are going really well. Elvis is looking for a new scenario. Here we go, yo. It doesn't sound like a trade request, but... There has been rumors all year long that the Jackets might possibly want to get out from under this Elvis contract that was signed not that long ago. Another negative here in the feather or another in the cap Look, of you can Yarmo. there's uh, there's so many uh, what red flags strikes against yeah this front office and i've said it many times since the beginning of the season there needs to be a long hard look taken at the front office because you asked me and i think you can agree with this that i don't trust this front office at the deadline so no, we're two months out right march now. march 8th i believe is the nhl's trading deadline and i am terrified that this front office the way it's behaved over the past year to have say in what goes on with this because i feel like this is not the front office moving forward if you take ownership not be if you take ownership at what they said before the year started after the babcock debacle and there's been nothing this year on the ice to prove any different there's no discernible plan with this team reeser we've heard all year long that they're trying to make it work Despite the poor record, and now it's like, well, we're out of the playoffs. This is the time to let Tarasov see if he's the number one. And you know what the silly thing is? I don't think any of this goalie stuff matters because your goalie of the future is Jet Greaves. Down in Cleveland, where he's an all-star this year, he's looked unflappable when he's come up here. Reese, we were talking before. I made a tweet the night uh, it was, I think it was December 21st, when the Jackets lost to the Washington Capitals. In overtime. When Elvis went to fight when Tom Elvis Wilson. went nuts after Tom Wilson gave them a power play in overtime. And they lost the game. I was at the press conference earlier that week when, after the game, when Eric Goodbranson basically did the same thing that Elvis Merzlikens did. Lost his stuff, went off and went after the guy that boarded him earlier in the game and just started pounding him. The players and the head coach went out of their way to make sure they did not say anything negative about Eric Goodbranson in the situation that happened, which it cost them the game, just like the Elvis penalty did. After the game against the Capitals, Pascal Vincent said, Elvis can't do that. He lost us the game. Well, last time I checked, both of those players were on your team, and right then, I knew Elvis's time with Columbus was over. There was some kind of disconnect with the player and the organization, and they did not have the players back at all when earlier in the week for the same thing they did. And it's just been like, what are we waiting for? I know this contract's hard to trade. You're not going to get anything for him. You're going to have no, to eat things now likely. to get rid of him. So just make the split. Like, Reese, we're Browns fans. Mm-hmm. And I've heard for years, well, what if this person turns into something that'll beat me? It doesn't matter when you find the guy that works. Just ask the Browns about Cade York this year. Nobody yep. remembers the name. 
Aaron Portsline um, did some extra reporting on this. So Elvis holds court yesterday, and Porty from The Athletic reached out to Yarmo Kekalainen. Um, and this from Yarmo, quote, either he plays well and becomes the number one goaltender, as his skill level should be, or we'll find someone else. Adding, quote, as I've said, he's got to work on things to get back into the net and keep it. I'm always having talks with GMs, but I don't ever get into details. I'm not going to talk about our discussions. It doesn't do anybody any good, end quote. And he's right there. But you contradicted yourself again because he's got things to work on to get back in the net. But you're only playing Tarasov because you want to see if he's a true number one. There's mixed messages all throughout this organization, and it's really getting old. What was it that you had brought to my attention about David Juracek? He's today, out tonight. Who is a healthy scratch he's a healthy, tonight? He's a healthy scratch tonight because they said they wanted him to work on some things, talking about some technical things in his skating. Why is the player here then? Like, this There's is a what place minor to do league that. Cleveland is it for. It is the AHL's Cleveland Monsters. And you didn't have to force him. I'm not saying they're forcing him in the lineup at the NHL level, but you didn't have to force him this year with the glut of average NFL defensemen you have on your team. You've had at least two sitting in the box as a healthy scratch most of the year. So why not keep Irichek in Cleveland for the whole year? Let him work on those things so when he comes up, you put him in a position to succeed and he doesn't have to deal with this yo-yo game. Yeah, from Pascal Vincent. I'm reading it from Jeff Soboda's uh, Twitter who writes for the CBJ. Quote, it's just little things, nothing major, but just little things here and there. We wanted to give him a good day of practice today. Again, we're working on some technical parts of his skating, his mechanics of skating, end quote. We have... The, the, <laughs> Is the, that what you're doing? Like, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets have... And I know we've heard this for a long time and we're tired Drafted of it. Drafted in the first round two years ago. They have some great young talent and prospects right now. Guys that could be corner st- franchise cornerstones. I don't know if I trust this organization to develop them no, right. I don't. And then stuff like this, you know, with what they're doing with the, their net minding, with things with your check. Um, and then tonight, we get it thrown in our face as they play the Seattle Kraken. We just get the reminder that we traded Oliver Bjorkstrand for a bag of pucks so we could sign Patrick Line to a $9 million a year contract. And Line continues, when he's actually on the ice, to underperform and be maddening. And Bjorkstrand is an all-star this year. Friday, March 8th, so the trade deadline. Uh, I've been saying it that they should have, if they haven't, approached Johnny Goudreau with a list. Or at least with a blank sheet of paper and say, just give us a list. And for those out there who say, well, the financials don't make any sense, trust me. If a team wants it, if a player wants it, they can make the financials make sense. You know what, though? Sometimes when you make bad moves, to get out of those moves, the financials can't make sense. Well, I, I get that's a, a very good point because you just have to do it. Yes. And you have to do it and damn the financials because of your mismanagement. But Jackets cracking per game coverage at 7.30. The puck will drop at or 6.30. Puck will drop at 7. CBJ will skate on Monday at 1 o'clock against the Vancouver Canucks. And then next Friday against the New Jersey Devils before they take that Western Canadian road trip. The Canucks, by the way, a team that have not been good, had some young players the past few years one of the best teams in the nhl right now 
Jackets can't keep saying they're young because the Canucks are basically the same age. Yeah, it does. Uh, it leads me to wonder, like, how long can you just be asking for patience from an, for for a front office that has done everything to erode patience, faith, and trust in? You can't ask for patience with this front office anymore. It's been ten years of Yarmo, and I was always a Yarmo guy. But these past few years are just ridiculous. It was really this offseason uh, that did it for me. So instead of patience, I, I might be asking if, again, we were at the Christmas season, I would be asking Santa for a pink slip, but not for me. Another team uh, similarly struggling, the basketball Buckeyes, yeah. who, again, it, this, they're falling back into a, a similar spot they did last season, where it was leads early, firing early, losing energy late not able to rotate slim to nothing from your bench so and so save us last year it was bryce sensabaugh this year is it bruce thornton or is it roddy gale at times where they just kind of look and they go save us and the shots don't fall um wisconsin by 11 earlier this week this is a chance to get right monday in ann arbor taking on michigan uh, that game will be at noon. You can hear pregame coverage of that uh, on the fan at 11. Caleb, I, I see your uh, shots from the shot all over the place. Uh, not only do you you know work your ass off here, but you you know work for the Lantern for Ohio State. For the, this basketball Buckeyes squad, is there the feeling that you get seeing them as often as you do that they could fall into a similar trap this year as they did last year? I don't know if 14 in a row is right. quite the extreme this year. But right, like you go, yeah. you, you you clinch a little bit down there. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. It's it's nervous because of what happened last year. A little bit nervous, but I do feel. I mean, I felt much better about this year's team going into the season, you know, than last year's team already. Um, I still think. I mean, that Wisconsin game, even though they did lose by eleven, I, I, it was a closer game, than, closer than the final score would dictate. Right, right. and granted, and I, you know, they've played well in all of their their highly like the Texas A and M game earlier this year. I mean, that's that's a pretty good ball club. Like, and you know, they fought pretty much. It was very similar to how the Wisconsin game ended up or ended up unfolding. Um, I, I'm really not panicked about the Bucks yet. I, I still think I still believe in Coach Holtman. I know there's a lot of people that are probably. A little upset about that, but I, I still believe he's the guy. I still believe that he can galvanize this group. I'd like to see more minutes for some of those, some of our younger guys, though. Like Devin Royal is a guy who didn't really play much against Wisconsin. Would have liked to see him on the floor. Scotty Middleton, like when he's out there, he's great. He, he just needs to build like more confidence. So I think that's, you know, and as the season goes on, I mean, you know, we saw how Malachi was able to develop two years ago. Um, you know, and hopefully these are like the level of guys. I mean, this is the highest recruiting class they've had in so long. Um, I, I got another guy, Tayson Chapman, like who I, we haven't really seen much of yet. I mean, I know he's dealt with injuries and whatnot, but, and that, that was a lot, a lot to take in. However, hope is great. Hope cannot be the plan. Yes. <laughs> like, but I feel good. I do feel good. And I, you know, Bruce and Roddy, I think are good cornerstones to at least have. I still feel good about having Zed Key's veteran presence. I trust me. I, I am basically guaranteeing a win against Mo- Michigan Monday. And I also am actually heading up there. You talk about hope. I unfortunately have no hope in this Ohio State basketball team, but our Cleveland Browns brethren, they have a lot of hope today, Reese. Hayden Grove just posted a a, pic, a video on Twitter of the parking lot down at NRG. Oh, it's barking. It is filled with Browns fans right now going crazy. It is awesome how many made the trip down to Houston And for we this will game. bark with you next at Sports Saturday on the fan. Tweet from a listener. Are you carrying the Buckeye game today? Considering we've never not carried one, yes. The answer is yes. The fan. 
during weekend programming, pants are optional. Look at my butt! However, leather chairs may have been a bad choice. You're listening to Fan Sports Saturday. Eric Reeser, Ryan Baker, Caleb Blake, rolling along for the next 10 minutes here. We'll dip away to ESPN Radio before Jackets Kraken pregame coverage starts at 630 over on 1460 ESPN, they are about 20 minutes into Browns-Texans pregame coverage. The boot will meet the ball at NRG Stadium at about 4.30. Again, it is the first of six wild card weekend games. Super wild card weekend games. Excuse me, Browns right now. Two-point favorites going on the road there. I think they're only one of two road favorites this weekend. I think you've also got the Eagles at the Buccaneers, where Philly's the road favorite there, because... I don't know if you've seen Tampa Bay play over the past couple, but it hasn't been very good. And I saw Baker, you respond to Anthony Rothman, who <laughs> asked Browns fans how they're feeling. What a, about two hours before kickoff? Crazy confident, jitters, but no feel, very, very, no fear. Very nervous, got a bad feeling. Right now, forty percent of respondents are tied, jitters, but no feel, no fear. I can't say fear today. Very nervous. Some got a bad feeling. 5% say crazy confident. You said should have put feeling dangerous. I mean, that's appropriate, right? I would For, agree with that. The I, last, think, I think the Baker last, did trademark that, so you might see him in court. The last time the Browns uh, won a playoff game, right? Was, they were feeling dangerous. They were feeling very dangerous there. And again, it helped the first snap of the game went over Ben Roethlisberger's head. But I would say my emotion is excitement. I'm very excited for this. I'm very excited to see the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. I'm excited to see Joe Flacco quarterback the Cleveland Browns because I've made my feelings known about the Browns quarterback situation a lot before this Flacco experience happened. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this run, however long it is, because the offseason for the Browns from the quarterback perspective, I don't think is going to be a fun one. But if they were to win, great. We've got this for an extra week. If they lose, also, great. This was something that I didn't think was going to be at all attainable after Nick Chubb goes down because my faith in Deshaun Watson is limited. If Flacco wins today, right? I mean, Build we the can, damn we'll statue. Start working on the statue. Yes. <laughs> you haven't done it already, kids. I mean, this has been one of the more fun runs, and there haven't been a whole lot of fun runs for the Cleveland Browns since returning in 99, but this is tops for me from a Browns fan perspective. I mean, since the Browns returned... This is better than 20. There's only Way only better. only one playoff win, right? Yes. I mean... One so win, three appearances? To 0-2, 20, and now 23. Now 20, yeah. And the only one that's won a game is, is Baker. So, Joe Flacco... I'm wondering Flacco. Why, Flacco. That, that, why anybody would be feeling nervous for this. Because you're a Browns fan. This and is, you're this just feels, this is so worst. this is so different, man. Because you should the worst happened. Everybody and their grandma got injured. Like that's the worst, and you've still found your way through this. And you've beat both number one seeds in the playoffs. I mean, everything is there for you. Let's I mean, go. You've been able to take a boot to the ass of your three division opponents this season. I, like this has been. Uh, I don't house money. I think's been thrown around a lot. I just. I don't agree. Sure, fine. This is this is incredible what we've experienced. This doesn't happen ever. And especially for the Cleveland Browns who've been snake bitten at every single turn and are very much not blessed by the football gods. 
I, I, I've said this. Listen, I, how would you have a bad feeling about this? Look what's been given to you. I am a Browns fan, but I am not a diehard like you, Reese. They're trying to suck me back in, and if they win today, they might do Embrace it. the suck. They might <laughs> suck me back in. Yes. Baker, wants to, in. Baker wants to get sucked. Caleb, how do you feel? All in. All in. Let's Flacco. I mean, I'm I'm so excited. Flacco's um, 5-0 and in his career in the super wild card round. This is the best. Never lost. <laughs> this is the best I've ever felt. I mean, yeah, way better than 2020. Feel way better about that team. Am I crazy also for kind of getting a You're 20, a Browns fan. Yes, you are crazy. True. But getting like a 2017 Eagles type of vibe from this kind of run. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I don't Easy. know. I, I love know. it. I love the enthusiasm, Caleb. That's Let's how I'm go. feeling. That's honestly how right. I'm feeling Let's right now. Let's go. Right but here. One step at a time. One week Goodness at a time. Goodness gracious. So, yes, if you want to hear uh, Jim Donovan and Nathan Zagura, uh, the call of that 430 over on 1460 ESPN. Uh, Tyvis Powell on right now uh, doing the pregame coverage for that. I'm, I'm just, again, looking at these videos of Browns fans at NRG Stadium taking over the parking lot. I, I, this is a fan base that's so starved for this. I mean... And an and insane fan base, uh, good and bad. Where are the beer fridges? Instance. Let's okay. get the beer fridges They've out already for been today. Open. They've likely been emptied. <laughs> I want. I wonder what NRG Stadium, which game they've had that sold the most beer. If it was this past Nas- Monday's national championship game, or if they've had a Texans game where they've sold out of beer, like this is going to tax them today. But I'm feeling confident in a Browns win. Want to thank all of you for giving us the time on this Saturday. We will see you next Saturday for the Super Divisional round in which the Browns will be playing. If your idea of the perfect radio show is all Buckeyes all the time, then it's your lucky day, Slappy. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. The fan- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.